The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome to episode 128 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name's Kyle. I'm Corey. I'm Michelle. And I'm Carlos. Guys, it's a post-solo world. How are we feeling? Gah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good feeling to finally have another Star Wars movie in the books. And a good one. A good one. Oh boy, is that good. We're going to break down that movie like crazy today and uh, a couple other things but man we got a we got a long wait now 569 days until episode nine yeah, when you say that <laughs> i have the same thing written here too like now it's like the only negative thing to this right now well not the only negative thing sadly but uh yeah just the wait now for like a year and a half man come on well we get to recharge our batteries a little bit and chew on some animated stuff in the process it's it's not going to be all bad. True. When does the live action show come out? Is that next year? It should be. F- well, nobody really knows, but I think everybody's assuming it's going to be. Yeah, when when Disney launches that uh, streaming service, everybody assumes that the the uh, John Favreau series will be sort of the flagship for that. Yeah. But Resistance is dropping at the end of this year. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Thank God. So we'll have we'll have something to tide us over at least a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you're right. But well, it, go, it just goes to been, show, right? Like we we always talk about, oh, would you rather uh, a bunch of like twenty hours of TV on the streaming service or like two hours of cinema? And it's like that that movie experience is just irreplaceable. I agree. All right, so really quickly, let's uh, let's wish Michelle a happy belated birthday. Yay! <laughs> Happy birthday, Michelle! Thank you guys. I feel so Ooh. special this year. <laughs> my mom was telling me she was like saying um, my girlfriends from one of my best friends from college and her husband sent me this bouquet, like of flowers. And my mom and I were like cutting them out of the box Friday night, and my mom was like, "It's such a blessing that people still remember your birthday, Michelle." It was like, "Thanks, mom." <laughs> <laughs> was that was that sort of a hint? No, it's. I think it's just because, like, I, not to be like depressing, but like, I'm, I like my mom is like the really one person in my family that I'm speak to and see the most because I have family in Japan and like my mom lives in Hawaii and like I am not with anybody right now at the moment and I have dogs and the dogs can't speak to me. Or, like, buy me presents or, like, tell me happy birthday, I guess. <laughs> so my mom was just, like, as your mother and, like, knowing that you still have friends who, like, remember your birthday makes me feel better before I die. And I was like, mom, that's, like, really depressing, first of all. 
But like, second of all, thank you for caring that like people know who I am and like remember my birthday and like, especially since like growing up, you and my dad totally forgot my birthday multiple times. <laughs> like, I totally thought it was the day before or the day after, and like they could never remember my actual birthday. Oh no! I think, to their credit, like we travel a lot, and like I was born in Japan, but like we also live in the states and with all the time difference and stuff like technically it was born in japan on may 26th so like in america it is technically may 25th so like sometimes when my parents would like get really excited at like uh, like the morning of the 25th and go happy birthday i would be like it's tomorrow but thank you <laughs> 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 yeah well i hope you had a good day at least or good weekend. It's always great when your when your birthday falls on a weekend. Yeah, it's nice. It's always a good weekend when solo premieres your birthday weekend. Yeah, I no think. kidding. Yeah. yeah, seriously. I knew it was gonna be a good birthday because when I saw that trailer come out and they announced it was gonna be dropping on my weekend, my birthday weekend, I was like, I'm gonna see that movie <laughs> so hard, <laughs> so many times. Um, but it only happened once for me. I'm really sad. Um, but. I mean, that just means I had other things that were fun that were going on in my life. So I'll be watching it a lot this week, though. First world problems, Michelle. I know, right? <laughs> when that's your biggest problem, that means things are good. No kidding. Well, do yeah. you? since it was your birthday, do you have a collecting update to share? Yes, I do. Woo! My friends are amazing. Um, yeah, so first. Um, my friends, uh, one of my girlfriends, they saw Solo at this really cool theater in San Diego. And, um, yeah, so they got like these cool Millennium Falcon drink things that you can, I guess, like when you're bought, when you buy like a, do you guys have them? They're like the Diet Coke ones, but they come in like those novelty cups. And so this cup, they literally went, I was like, oh my God, they didn't have those at my theater. And then so they went to the movie theater on Saturday morning before they drove out to LA. And my girlfriend bought me the um, Millennium Falcon novelty drink thing. So now I can put my water in this cool uh, Millennium Falcon drink cup tumbler thing <laughs> and it has a straw so i won't be loud when i'm drinking water and i'm recording the podcast with you guys and it's really cool because on the back it's flat and there's a photo of the um crew there's l3 lando han chewy kira and Beckett, and it says solo it's a story, and i love it that's cool that's number one it also has a flat bottom so you can like stand it um and it doesn't fall over and then I got this really cool cushion, and it's a photo. It's a black and white photo of Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher as Leia, and um, her makeup is, like, in color. She has, like, red lips and, like, pink cheeks, and then there's, like, colorful flowers all around her, and it's, like, a cushion. It's cool. It's, like, um, I can't – what size is it? Like, 12 by 12, maybe? Like, a big cushion for my bed that I love and then what else did I get there was another Star Wars thing that my friends got me um oh I got these little um sticker post-it pads that are uh from the original uh, the the prequels which are uh there's a green one 
with uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan and all the Jedi people. And then there's a red set of post-its that has Anakin and Darth Maul and all those people on it. And I got that. And then, is that it? That might be it. That's, that's pretty healthy. Yeah. That's... There you go. Anybody else have a collecting update to share this week? Nope. Yeah. No. Good. Well, then we can uh, move along and add good? to some. But yes, good. Pipe down. <laughs> that means you're spending all your money on the movie, so that's good. Yeah. It's it's not required to have something new every week, Corey. I know. It just it's nice. But we want them. I well, I figure for a change, we can add to somebody else's collection right now by uh, giving something away. Yeah. It's Ooh. it's that time of the month to give something away to our powerful friends. Powerful friends. This month we are giving away. I advertised that on I, th- I put it in the Facebook group, I think, and on Instagram. I don't know if I tweeted it. I think I did. Anyway, it's the uh, the Vintage Collection Hoth Rebel Trooper. That's the, that's the tough one to find, and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give that away right now to one of our great and good, powerful friends. Do you think we're going to get a two-time winner this month? I hope we get a one-time winner. Like, right here, baby. <laughs> Let's find out. This month's winner for the Roth, ha- the Roth, the Hoth Rebel Trooper is Brad Tracy. Brad Tracy from the Dexter's Diner podcast. Congrats, Brad! I'll make a note Ooh. of that right here. That's awesome. Hoth. So now does Rebel. he have to wait until Tuesday to find out that he won? <laughs> Or whenever it is he gets around to listening. Oh, God, you're right. He might not even listen on the first day. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Or at all. Who knows? Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm happy for Brad. That's a cool, cool figure. And that's that's the tough one to find, at least in my neck of the woods. I've seen a lot of people posting that they can't find that Hoth Rebel Trooper at this point. So hopefully, Brad. Same thing. Hopefully that's that's one that you've been looking for or one that you're at least uh, looking to get your hands on. All right, I, I'm still having trouble breathing. <laughs> this cold is still lingering, so I'm going to take a lot of little sippy sips here. So uh, wow. don't mind me. All right, so um, we got a, a little bit of news this week before we get into our solo review. And uh, that that is something that is not quite confirmed. I never like to talk about news until Lucasfilm confirms it, but I think this is solid enough. James Mangold to co-write and direct the Boba Fett standalone movie. Yay! How do we feel about this, everybody? I like it. I think it's great. And I think it's um, there's a reason why it started leaking now, because yep. I believe that there will be tie-ins with Solo and potentially another uh, standalone to actually make a, uh, a kind of trilogy. That's, uh, that's what I'm thinking. Hmm. But the, I, I love... I love uh, I love his work. Uh, I really liked Logan. It was a departure from, from uh, the, 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 you know, the touch and go, like good and then not so good Fox <laughs> X Men movies. So, yeah, those were yeah. those were sketchy at best. Yeah, but some some were really good, and then you know, I loved I Logan. Yeah, 
so that's it. I'm, I'm quite excited uh, about uh, the news, and I just can't wait until it's officially official. Uh, in other words, when Lucasfilm actually drops the news themselves, then it'll be official. It, it, yeah. I feel like this has got to happen soon enough. Like, if this, I, I really feel like this news is legit. So I feel yeah. like the confirmation's got to be not far behind. But personally, I'm just gonna say I find it all very not confusing, but very odd that you know all these very strong rumors of Kenobi and now Boba Fett. Like, and I also think the timing's actually quite odd. Like, why not let the film have its birth? But again, nothing's official from on Disney's side. Like, these are all leaks and rumors. But I mean, like you guys said, it kind of seems inevitable. So at the same time, it's like it's like I guess you're stealing the thunder a bit from Solo that came out right before the premiere or like the night of, I think. Like, I was like, what the hell? Like, what is this? You know, like, it's like, I don't know. It's I don't think it did the film any favors in that sense, you know, but like Carlos said, like, there is a possibility for for a future for these films to play in each other's sandboxes, kind of. But yeah, that's kind of been my theory for how... Jeez, Corey, I think you were the first person to hear my theory about uh, like the, the Western theme trilogy with, with Solo and then a Boba Fett movie or Bounty Hunter movie and then a, a Kenobi movie. That yeah, Lucasfilm yeah. Western trilogy vibe. I've been saying, I don't even know how long it was ago that I, I put that theory together with Cad Bane as, as a centerpiece villain, but I, I'm, I'm totally down. I loved I loved Logan. I loved James Mangold for what he achieved in that movie. Uh, the performances he pulled out of Hugh Jackman and uh, Captain Picard and Daphne Keene. Apply all that to a Boba Fett film, and that's that's money in the bank for me, man. I'm I'm down. Well, I'd say again, like just with the film, like I, I was a big fan of Logan as well. Um, I saw when I saw it in theater, I was really into it, and like you guys both said as well, like the uh, the vibe that it kind of had like it i think it would really play well with with boba fett like it just had this, this certain i don't know it was dark you know like it's logan can be watched in black and white very easily and i just i think that speaks volumes for what he can do with boba fett i agree yeah i agree and i loved like logan i love the cinematography i love the tone he gave to that and I just really and I also kind of love the vibe of like I think his his vibe will translate well like you guys were saying into the western I think it's great and I mean Boba Fett's a great character and people like really interested in him so but like Boba Fett was never really at the top of my list of movies to see but I think you know with the groundwork that they may or may not have laid in Solo like obviously, I think Boba Fett could very well be the spiritual solo, to, uh, spiritual sequel to the solo movie. Yeah. But once they've, once you attached Mangle to this, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm locked in now. It's it's crazy how just attaching a, a, a legit name, yeah, just validates the whole thing. Because before it was like this nebulous thing, like Boba Fett to me, he's a cool character, but he it's really the suit. Like, if he's not in such yeah. a cool suit, we don't care about him. All he does is get knocked out by a blind guy and falls into a, a hole in the ground. But you know it's, it's the history between them. You know they have history by Han's simple comment. Oh, sure. We, we are, yeah, we definitely know that there's history between the two. But it's weird how this, this project went from, like, eh, for, not just for me, but for a lot of, a lot of fans. 
to like, wow, James Mangold, done, I'm in. I'm just disappointed that they couldn't find a female director of Logan to direct this film. Because, uh, like, if, if only there was, like, a female director of Logan that would actually, like, be in line to do the Boba Fett movie, I think, like, it would be so much better. I would totally want to see... That was sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, 100% sarcasm. I saw that. The X-23 film should have a female director for sure if it ever comes. Oh, I agree. No, but I just, I, it's, it's a commentary as to the people who are going to be like, well, why couldn't they get, like, uh, a female director or whatever? But in reality, it's like, well, they wanted something that Mangold could offer them. So, you know, at a certain point, you got to just let go of, like, who's what and, you know, like, tearing down uh, glass ceilings and all that stuff and just realize that, you know, maybe this this per- this person is the best person for the job. So I'm excited. I'm honestly very excited because uh, I really did. I, I wasn't in love with Logan. It wasn't what I was expecting from one of my favorite characters. It was gritty and it was very dusty. And that also plays into the Western. It was bleak. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And I, I, I never want to I never want to go into a movie knowing that my favorite character is going to die. So it was it was hard for me to 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 grasp as a flawed human, and I, I just. But besides all that, the movie was fantastic. So you got to give the guy his due, and I think he, I think he's gonna do a really good job. I I mean I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Let's hope they actually make this official. Otherwise, we just burn twenty minutes for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, well, let's let's jump into why we're all actually here tonight. It's to discuss the, the latest entry in the Star Wars franchise, the 10th live-action film. 10, guys. 10! Crazy. Oh, yeah, baby. Think about it. Like, twenty less than 20 years ago... Double digits. We had three. Now we are at 10. It's nuts. We, what a time to be alive. But let's, let's talk about Solo. I, I figured the best way to do this, just really, like... Offering your quick spoiler-free thoughts for no uh, no other reason other to say that we did do spoiler-free thoughts, and then we we'll, we will uh, we'll break down. Well, I guess we'll go through the movie sort of character by character, and I think in that way we will end up hitting on all the uh, highlights and lowlights of the film, and then we'll we'll offer up a couple nitpicks or criticisms and highlights and uh, what we see coming next. So I think that's how we'll break it down, and then uh, we'll round it all out with some. Uh, some of our powerful friends' reactions to the movie. So, uh, Corey, I I, I just like li- listening to you squirm because I know you're not going to be able to keep this spoiler free. Good <laughs> try. Just just give us your quick, you know, thirty seconds on the movie. How how did you find this? Uh, I really need a rewatch, man. It, it was quite late when we saw it. It was like ten fifteen our time, so like the movie didn't probably anyway. It was late by the time I got home. But uh, I'd say I was definitely into it from the start. The the pseudo crawl, I'm going to call it, at the beginning. Too cool. I love that. It had this like T280s vibe to it that I was I was all about it. Uh, I don't know. I thought there were a lot of... There wasn't... It was so much fun. And everything kind of went somewhat the way we had thought. 
but I was still surprised a whole bunch along the way. Uh, the cast was great. The pacing was great. I, I was enthralled throughout. The, you know, there wasn't a real big lull where I was like, you know, like starting to like wander or my mind was wandering, whatever. Uh, the comedy was there. And basically, I was just having a lot of fun while watching that. And like so much so that I didn't really have a chance to really pay attention to the score all that much. But that's technically a good thing, right? Because I, I just lived that experience and it felt super natural. So I, I haven't really had a chance to to listen to the the score yet, but uh, anyway, I, I'm sure it's it, it has to be good. Like everybody's been raving about it, and I trust you guys. So, like I said, I, I lost myself in the moment. Uh, visually, it was great. It was written really well. Those those Easter eggs were just that right amount. There was nothing like it wasn't like shoveled into our faces too too much, you know. And there was nothing too too huge either. Uh, and the characters were just too cool for school, like. I loved it. That was not 30 seconds, Corey. Just what a minute. <laughs> no, that's well said. I think I think we're all probably all going to echo that to some degree. Uh, Michelle. Awesome. Uh, I actually really loved Alden Ehrenreich as Solo. Like I had a I had a lot of friends who were just like not 100% convinced before they were going to go see it and then they were just like, "Yeah, you totally like convinced me it was great um i was really pleasantly surprised by um amelia clark's character arc for kira and i thought her acting was really great and um it it gets challenging when you're used to seeing a, a an actor play a lot of roles that you're kind of like that you've seen a lot of them play like very iconic roles and hard to forget them sometimes but i totally was into it like i liked her a lot um obviously lando was just fantastic um the cape room oh i'm like <laughs> obsessed with the freaking cape room and all of the extra things that happened in the cape room like i just i can't everything cape wise was great i loved the callbacks um, in the movie at the beginning, I thought it was the tracking was well. I thought this, I, 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 and that's in terms of just like the tracking of the story. Like there were things that I noticed at the very beginning or the opening scene where I made notes where I was like, great, I bet they're going to track this for the end. Where I saw a moment, I was like, oh, they're going to probably try to do this at the end and see, and they'll mirror it. And I like, made notes to make sure they followed through with tracking a lot of those open storylines. And they totally tracked them through, they closed it. And it just, it made, like, it was very strong in terms of story, in addition to just being fun. And I felt like a lot of the moments that I think one of the things I mentioned was just, uh, and now I'm just talking too much. It's great. It's so good. The acting was fantastic. Um, it was so much better. I, it's fantastic. I was really excited because I was like, okay, well, I, regardless of whether, of how it does, this movie is good. Like, it's really great. There's great moments that are new. There's great, mo there's like great character moments where I was just like, ah, I love this character. Like, where have you been all my life? So yeah, that was really long. I'm sorry. Yeah, also not 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I got really distracted. I was like, wait, I'm talking about specific things. I'm supposed to be giving an overview. Yeah, I know. No, Michelle, that. you got really excited. I got excited. That's I got good. excited. This movie makes me excited, okay? That's what it's supposed to do. Uh, Carlos. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I liked it. 
<laughs> no, it was good, man. It was better than better than what I was expecting. Uh, a lot of my fears were quelled quite early on. I did have, whether I showed it or not, I did have some fear of Ron Howard having to do a hodgepodge to fix the mistakes that were made previously. I got no sense of that while watching the movie. No. None whatsoever. Um, what else? Let's see. Um, uh, the score was understated, but powerful uh, at times. I, I, I like this score better than I, than I did the Rogue One score, even though there were very, very strong moments in the Rogue One score. Uh, I like this one better. Um, because it didn't take me out of the film, like Corey, Corey said earlier, that he didn't notice the score, and, and, and that's probably a sign of, of a good score. Other than that, I mean, I liked the story. Uh, the story was good. It was very Star Wars. Uh, it didn't take us out of the universe at all. Uh, although, um, Woody Harrelson's character reminded me of, like, he could have just subbed him in in Glorious Bastards for Brad Pitt. It was pretty much... He's a very archetypal character. Yeah, very, very World War II, uh, you know, uh, pronounced lower jaw, uh, you know, scumbag willing to do whatever he has to do to to, to get the job done type of thing. Um, I loved him, man. I I, know I loved it as well, but it it was too much of a callback to me. And there was another thing also in the movie that was too much of a callback, which we'll talk about later when we do spoilers. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I really, really liked it. I love Chewbacca. I love uh, the rapport between Han and Chewie. Um, yeah. Uh, as as soon as the, the, the film was over, I was like, I didn't want, I didn't want sequels beforehand. But after seeing that movie, I could see how they could tie into other movies to make a, a an unlabeled uh, trilogy. Yeah, agreed. And I'll I'll make it four for four. Like I really, really like this movie. It it totally captured the spirit of Star Wars for me. That spirit of adventure, no doubt it was there. Stacked with fun and great action, good subtle humor, magnetic, uh, compelling characters, a good story. I I like there's a lot of duos in this movie. A lot of pairing of characters that work well together. Obviously, Han and Chewie. Kira and Han's relationship, I-, I loved how that went down. Like, I was so wrong about Kira as a character. I- I'm-, I'm so glad I was wrong about that. Lando and L3, their dynamic was hysterical. Like, there- there's just so much to love about this movie. It looks great. It sounds great. But you- remember when people said Ron Howard wouldn't have the time to pull this off? Wow. He killed it. He cr- Like, I don't think we can say enough good things about what he did. Like it's imagine the movie's out now, and it was less than a year ago where he was officially brought on board. I think June twenty second is when he was brought on officially to save this movie. I feel like he totally did it though. Like you can see his 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 handiwork over that story and how I can like you can tell that those beats are there. Like the tracking is there. Like I feel like. I mean, Ron Howard knows what he's doing and he knows the formula of like a well, like a great story that has a beginning, middle and end. And I feel like 
he was able to probably like pull that in together and like tie it up and put a bow on it and like added a few extra cool things. Yeah, but despite like, despite the fact that that you know. that we all know that about Ron Howard, right? Yeah. Like even though it, uh, you know, like I said before, maybe putting on a brief like a bravado face of like having uber confidence in in Ron Howard to get the job done. I was still there was still this little sense of trepidation of like did yeah. they bite off more than they could chew? But no, nah, like uh, like we all said, I think the job was freaking well done now this guy he's he's an absolute professional he's a legend now he's he's, me, he's, he's gone yeah. yeah he's gone he's gone legendary for me all right so let's um we'll, we'll start with the characters and we'll work our way up to the cool big stuff uh so let's so, uh, as of now this is a spoiler yes we are now full-on spoilers if you've not seen the movie anyone who hasn't seen the movie is not listening to this pod anyway so i'll let you know that go well, just in case, right. Corey, just in case. Yep, we're, we're just trying to Sometimes be fair. Sometimes there's like um, autoplay, and when you finish an episode, it automatically plays the next episode that you haven't listened to yet. So they might have just fallen asleep and unintentionally <laughs> themselves. So yeah, so anyway, this is it. This is your spoiler warning. And uh, from here on in, we are just going to talk about anything and everything that was inside those two plus hours of the solo flick. So... Uh, let's start with my boy. We barely knew you, Rio. <laughs> oh man, he was so yeah. cool. Yeah, he was. And, and he really was nailed it. He was funny, yeah. man. Yeah, he was like the uh, the heart man. He like was, he was just like that cool character. You know, you see him almost in like all the time in like sci-fi, like the, that one crew part of the crew. You know, the wisecracker. Yeah, he, he was. was uh, he, I was sad, man. I love the way That's he like, moved. It was he was just a, such a fun little character. I think he did he did not last long enough at all. No, when when, the, when he got the pew pew in the back. Oh. oh, dude, I was like, okay, okay, it's like somewhat shoulder-ish chest, and I was like, maybe he can pull through. Like you could do this, Rio. I I didn't know if he was going down, but it was really like I was like, oh shit, like that's not good. Yeah, I thought uh, you know I thought. For that, it was just like, that, okay, you guys have lived through worse. You'll be okay, Rio. And he just he just went right off a cliff. But I I, I got I love the part where they're at the campfire, and they're they're trying to figure out Han's motivations. And Val nails it. She's she sees that he's pining over a girl, and Rio comes down, jumps down off the off the little wall there, and he goes, "Oh, girl, does she have pointy teeth?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, I, 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 that was inexplicably I funny. Was I, I funny just laughed moment. out loud. Yeah, me too. Favreau really, locked, like he locked that. Uh, like it's just so fitting. Like the character, like the visualization of the character and his voice just worked so well for me. Yeah. Anyway, he was he was a lot of fun, but boy oh boy, sad to see him go so early. Same as uh, the super cool Val. Super cool. I, I love that uh, her and, and Beckett had a relationship. I didn't – I kind of said that that's a big possibility, but at the same time, like, it could have gone either way. So I was actually kind of surprised to see that being the case. thought that was pretty cool. And, yeah, she nailed it, man. Like, she exceeded expectations for me. Well, she was an exceedingly cool character for me, but I didn't buy the relationship with Beckett. It was just sort of like, oh, now they're kissing. 
Like, I just, I feel like they, for her, they, they took the most expedient way to write her out. Like, her death just doesn't sit well with me. I, th- I, th- I thought it was really weird where suddenly she's blowing herself up. Yeah, she gave up too easy in my mind. There was something about the way it, the way it happened that it was a little. I mean, it's Star Wars, so it's unrealistic from from the get go. But like, there's got to be more of a struggle to, to that in my mind. Yeah, I, yeah I, a little I, more meaningful sacrifice. Like they were just yeah. robbing something. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know. She saved all their lives, right? Like in either way, she was probably going to die anyhow. So. I don't know. I know that uh, that's for me like that. It felt like expedient housekeeping that they were just let's all right. It's time to it's time to move the story along, and we got to thin out the herd here. Michelle, see, how did you I, feel I, about I, Val? I bought, I bought into that. Um, I just, I mean, at, at a certain point, I like called it. Like I was like, oh yeah, they're dying. Like I, there's I, I like I was looking for it in my notes where I was just like, yeah, they're dying. Um, it got to this like the war scene is amazing. Um. Yeah, I thought that like how we were introduced to them were, was really cool. Like, yes, I didn't actually expect like because until now I feel like a lot of the like we know that like there's a huge war going on in like the Star Wars and all this stuff, but that was the first time it actually felt like it was a war movie, like a war scene. Like it felt like like I don't know, like private, Saving Private Ryan or something. like you yep. really felt like you were in it. Like yes. and it felt real. Like, it didn't feel like, oh, this is pew, 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 like, space war. Like, it felt like a real war. Like It, it was looked really like visceral. One. It was so visceral. I literally wrote in very big block letters, like, war scene is capitals, amazing, exclamation point. Feels like a World War II movie. War actually feels weird, uh, feels real. Like, I really loved, like, and then we saw Becca. I was like, oh, this is probably how we're going to meet him. And then we met him. And then. All of a sudden, like, then we meet Val, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, and I just loved how, like, it was really unexpected, like, because I didn't expect them to meet them that way, and then, you know, just, then we found out, like, who they are, and all that stuff, and I thought that was really cool, like, how, like, it wasn't just this, I w- it was really interesting how they decided, like, it just made them, him, Han, meeting them so much more cool, like, it was a cool way to meet them, it wasn't expected, and I thought... And- and- and what's really important is is the way Han sussed them out. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yes. That, yeah. that to me was very, very uh, important, and was it was uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, character development. Yeah, it was on brand. It was character too. building in the sense that we know that Han is he's a scoundrel, and he's able to see that in others. Yeah. And yeah. and the fact that he sussed it out the way he did. Uh, was fantastic. It was yeah, with the marker really on his on the chest plate being like burnt out, like yeah. like scratching out the serial number from a bike you stole or it's, something. You know, it's so yeah. it's just it's like so, and it's very specific and detailed, and like it's it's like exactly him, like where it's just like he sees what other people don't see, and it's just there. And but you know who it kind of harkens to in a way as well. Like that's hardcore. Like when you kind of like Han susses them out, like Carlos said, when you realize that in the film. You're like, damn, these players are pretty goddamn hardcore. They're like yeah. ghost ghost crew style, like level of like infiltration here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not playing. Yeah, oh, they got just, right in there. They're professionals. Yeah, it was just it was so freaking cool. Like it just yeah, it was and it was just very like informative. And I really loved just and I loved how they kind of like slow like one by one how they kind of started 
like being a little close, like they, how they start connecting to Han and that moment where like, and then, and then when they, oh, and then they meet Chewie and I was like, that's how you're going to meet him. And then when they come back and then Rio goes, that kid's starting to grow on me. And I'm like, oh, yes, I love it. Like I was in, like, it was so, they're so cool. Um, the, like when they die, yeah, the dying, I was a little annoyed about the whole, I kind of saw it coming when like they, as soon as I saw them together and I just saw like them talking, like the dynamic, I was like, Oh, they're going to put them together. Like they're going to start making out, like they're just going to be romantically linked. And then they start kissing and I was like, yeah, of course they have to do that. Um, I don't know. It just, I, that's like, I feel like it's not star Wars that there's at least, if there's not at least one pairing where I'm like, do we really need that? Like, that's probably not important. Like, I mean, that's how I felt about the Rose kissing Finn part where it's just like, if you didn't do that, the scene would have been so much more cool. And like the saving would have been so much more like it would have meant a little bit more. Like I felt like them kissing and him, her being into him romantically Beckett, it kind of detracted from her sacrificing herself basically to save them. I don't know. Can I, really? uh, I, 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 I totally disagree. Like, I, really? I, like, like, I just felt like it just, and I, I, maybe it's just that, maybe that's not it. Like, maybe it's just, I just didn't feel like that moment was earned yet. Yes, like, I exactly. Just, that's exactly no, what I was going to say. It was, it was just, early on. It was too early. Like, you need to get to know someone, like, before you feel sorry or bad. Like, it, I don't feel like we knew her well enough. And I felt like we had just, and I think part, maybe it's also partially because, like, we just like because we're coming in with Han and like sure she's saving Beckett but like her crew is Beckett and Rio and she just met Han and Chewie and she's basically like she didn't try to save herself or like try to like she didn't really I, I felt like I don't know maybe it's just she didn't care enough about like like Rio dying or like it just felt very like sudden and I don't, it wasn't earned to me. I, I, maybe that's what it is. I'm I just, right there with you, felt, Michelle. It, it, the whole thing just, it just felt like they had to like, let's, we got to wrap this, this end up right here. We got to get rid of her because it's too many cooks in the kitchen otherwise. I, but I did call it like before when we were talking about her character and what I was like, well, maybe she blows herself up so she could blow herself up and die. And then that's what she did. So, well, I'll tell you, the, the one thing it does for me is that it just, like, I can't disagree with what you guys are saying in the sense that it did happen quick and blah, 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 blah. But in my head canon, I kind of, like, make it like they have a, a Hera Kanan relationship in the sense that they've, it's not like they just had a fling, right? It's like these guys have been grifting yeah. together for many a year. Like, that's kind of the impression that I got, you know? So in that se- sense, I, kind of, I got sold on it. Like, that's yeah, what I mean, I could see it if, if we had seen their backstory a little bit more and their relationship, like, and how strong, like, I don't know. It just felt... And plus, like, after she died, like, he didn't really, like, wasn't too tortured about it for a while. Like, it was just kind of like, okay, well, she died, and he's sad, and there was a, like, a moment where I think he was like, no! And then it was like, okay, the next thing. Yeah, he, they, well, they, but yeah, they move on quickly. Like, people in yeah. Star Wars move on from death really quickly. <laughs> Leia gets yeah, her planet is- built up, blown up, the whole planet, everybody she's ever known, blown up, and they just move right on from that. I just, Over, overall, I just think that the character of Val was not needed, in my in my opinion. Uh, I didn't buy her as somebody infiltrating the Empire. I, I don't think how 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 the Empire could just let that happen. No, the, the Empire has been getting duped like that since the word go. 
Like, I would have been happier if they had skipped all the, the drama around, like, her blowing herself up for, for Beckett. Like, it would have been cooler for me if they had just been much cleaner about it and, like, have those droids kind of blast her off the platform. And as she's falling, before she's out of range of, of her explosives, she detonates them. And she just Beautiful. she plum- plummets to her death. Yeah, exactly. Well, they didn't have to play up this whole, uh, this was the best ride with you. I don't regret, regret a single thing. Uh, you could skip all that fluff. I, I, I you're, that's not going to get me to buy in. It's, it's too quick. This, we're, you know, we're half hour into the flick here. I, you're not going to sell me on that in three minutes. Yeah, let's let's move along. Let's move on to uh, well, her, her partner. Let's move on to Beckett. And I, I don't know that there's a. We don't need to go super deep. I think he was Woody was ad, ad, as advertised. Like, there's no surprises with this guy. He did a great job. And of course, there's, I mean, there's, there's some surprises with his arc. Yeah. But I think the way Woody pulls off the character, there's no surprises here. Well, he nailed it, man. And one thing with his character is I have to say, like, I really, really love the rapport that he and Han had, like, by the, especially by the end of it all. Uh, yeah, like it worked. Like they, yeah, I don't know. It's like. It was weird, man. Their their relationship is super weird, but uh, I loved it, and I love the way he pulled it off. Man, I'm with Corey. Uh, I think that uh, well, he, he of all, I think we did this last week where we talked about like which characters we're most interested in, and I had Beckett on top, and nobody really else had Beckett on top. There was a lot of like L three and uh, and you know all that all that other stuff but i think that he, he really did come through as um more than just your average character like he as you said kyle he came as advertised and woody being woody uh is what you can expect from him like he's a fantastic actor and the part that was written for him was also excellent so i really enjoyed it yeah no kidding i have I, I I feel like we're going to shortchange our breakdown of Beckett here, but... Yeah, well, let's, let's just say this again. If we're doing this spoiler, you know, like spoilers, I'm really surprised how long he lasted within the film. Me too. <laughs> like, yeah. How do we but feel again, about... Hit... Um, how do we feel about the, the, his end? Because, you know, I said that one thing I don't want them yep. to touch is <laughs> is Han shooting first. I don't want them to touch that. But the way they it, did it, it was just like just perfect, like a band aid. It was just right off, and it was done really well. I have no issue with it. I thought they'd make a almost like a wink at the crowd about it, but they didn't. It was just handled handled matter of factly, and it was it was perfect. But didn't they allude to it earlier in the movie uh, at a, at another point? Like somebody was was actually going to say something, and then uh, I don't remember if it was Beckett or Han who shot, but. There, there was a moment where you could actually hear always shoot first, but it never came out. I don't know. I mean, I saw it twice, so I, uh, yeah. I, I had that feeling of that, that line, uh, possibly coming out, but then like teasing it in a little, in a way. I never picked up on it. Anyway, that was so beautifully done. It was so, I knew they were going to reference it in some regard. And this is the perfect way to kind of loophole that whole thing without inciting anger or insinuating something. And to me, that's what took Han and uh, Beckett's relationship into overdrive. Like 
Becky was totally cool with him shooting. He's like, yeah, like you got me, kid. Like it's all good. <laughs> like I deserved it. Like you win. Like, so much totally for me cool in the Valacord. Yeah, like <laughs> he was totally cool with it though. Like they were buddies. Like Han was sad to have done it, and you know, by the end they were still kind of like brothers, even though he just killed him. Like it was really odd, but perfect. Yeah, I, I suppose. Like by the time we meet Han in New Hope, he when he shoots Greedo, he's just like, yeah, sorry about the mess, and just leaves him there. This time when he shoots, he shoots uh, Beckett, and it's like it's a big deal to him. So we're, we're well, we, we there's had some progression here, right? Where I or I don't know. I guess do we want to call it a, a regression? Like we're seeing, obviously a, a much younger Han before he gets normalized with with death and killing. But uh, dude, he's been waiting for an opportunity like this his whole life. Yeah, come on, <laughs> of course he's Beckett's like his first introduction into this world. I don't think he ever foresaw having to kill Beckett until he did. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the whole Greedo thing. By the time the whole Guys, Greedo thing happens, I think it's... we're forgetting that he was part of he was part of the Empire for three years. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's gotten used to killing. Like, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't... wonder if Han is a bit like Finn in that respect, and that he just he yeah. I'm convinced Han didn't kill anybody, at least somebody that wasn't shooting at him. You're convinced yeah, he definitely that, killed really? people. No, I'm, he definitely killed people. No, he definitely he killed people. You think? I don't know. I well, think like so. you said, in in battle, like people who were shooting at him, he shot at. Therefore, he did kill them, Kyle. <laughs> like, yeah, but I don't, like let's say I, I you're you're rounding up a bunch of innocent people, a la uh, Twanel Village and TFA. I think Han doesn't pull the trigger and shoot a bunch of innocent no, people. That I agree with you, hundred percent. He that, didn't take what, uh, what the at. orders too well. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe the visual, maybe the uh, the novelization. Well, I think it's gonna give more light the, to that. The end of the movie, I mean, spells it out for us what kind of guy he is. When they finally, I don't want to say it right now, but like when we get to the bottom of things and what's actually going on and the dynamic of these relationships and what's at at like what's at its core, then you see Han's true heart, man. True. Also, like you do get Kira saying like. Oh, he's gonna do this because that's just who he is. Like, and he's that's what help he ends you. up doing. So yeah, so you can tell that like when he has a choice between you know Dryden Voss and like that and or the other and the rebel. Or, oh wait, we're we're talking about spoilers now, right? Oh yeah, we're full yes. on spoilers. Okay, so or so it's either like okay, you can go with Dryden Voss or you can go with you know Edith Nest and those people. Like, and then you know she was immediately like without a beat was like he's going to help you to Enfys Nest and was like, because that's just who he is. Like he won't, if it's a choice between the two, he's going to help you guys. Like he's not going to give the bad stuff to the bad people. Like that's one of the first things he says. He's like, we can't give it to them. Like it's just who he is. And we, I think we can trust, I mean, Kira is like gray, but like she's grown up with Han. Like she knows who he is at his core. So I think like, even if she doesn't know him while he was, you know, an army like a you know in the battalion for the empire i think she knows who he is as a person at his core so like would he seek out innocent people and shoot them no i don't think so that's just not who he is but is he going to save his hide against you know it's him or everyone else i i don't know i think he would save himself sure unless if it didn't mean that he had to compromise like a bunch of his values to do so I, I I agree with that. 
But and also Kira says, like she, in in that moment from the trailer when she says, I, "I'm the only one who knows who you truly are," and we don't. It was sort of left as a dot dot dot. After that, we don't know what she's gonna say. And he goes, "Oh yeah, what's that?" And she goes, "You're the good guy." And he and of course he pushes yeah, back on. Like, that, I'm not the good guy. I'm not the good guy. Yeah, yeah, you are, Han. It's like it's a it's almost like his son almost in that he pushes back against the light. <laughs> you know. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't want to accept that he's the good guy. Uh, so are, are we done with Beckett? Have we said our, our piece there? Yeah. I just, I liked it. I liked, he was good. And I liked the character and I liked the writing. Yeah, the I, I like that he went for the for the big home run swing at the end and not only just betraying Han, but he tried, he saw an opportunity to maybe try and double cross Voss at the same time. Not knowing that Kira would kill him. Yeah. Oh, I have a question that I thought of earlier. Uh, was it? you carlos that you said you were just like oh wait i can't remember who it was someone said um about the beckett thing i was just i was wondering um i wrote it down i was like uh is the reason i can't remember who it was is the reason why like the beckett crap i don't remember the exact wording but just the it was he too similar to benicio's character no, I said Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards. No, I mean in terms of the fact where he was just like always double crossing, like in that sense. Like I don't know if it was you, but like someone mentioned like the like how he was it like you can't trust me, and then he keeps like switching both sides or whatever. I can't remember now. I don't remember my point, but I just wrote like is the reason why his character was just like not as like. Do you think it would have been stronger if we hadn't already seen like? Benicio's character who did have like that similar like no I not at all not to trust me or like you know I can't remember what it was sorry they, they, have, no, no. they have similar I lines could... too right like I think yeah because he's like I'm sorry but I already trust you not to trust anyone I already told you not to trust anyone like that whole concept of like because you know his character a huge reason why Benicio's character in uh the last Jedi like his whole like his beat was to tell Finn like you can't you don't know like there are people who are selling to both sides like everyone's gray it just matters how you look at it and like his character i felt like that was the point of his character like that was his beat and i felt like that one thing about um beckett's character that like did i did notice was just like the sheer amount of times he said that line of like i told you not to trust anyone see i told you not to trust anyone even myself and like it was just kind of like a lot of it. So I was just wondering if it was just like that. And they, they both have a maybe moment too, right? I think DJ yeah. has, uh, Finn says, you're wrong. And he goes, huh, maybe. And I think, I oh. believe that Beckett had a similar line at the very end. Yeah. That's the thing about that too is, well, like a good hustle, a good grift. You know, you never know what's going on until the last minute. And to be honest with you guys, I honestly held out hope for Beckett right to the last minute. Like, you know, when you see that he's betrayed Han and he, he's coming onto the the sail barge or this this is sail ship, whatever you want to call it there, and you see it's Beckett that betrayed him. Like, I'm like, OK, this could still possibly be a part of Han's plan because Han, like he, he tells Beckett the plan. But he, as a listener, as a viewer, you're only coming in on it when Beckett's saying, oh, like, that's pretty dicey, kid. Like, you think it'll work? Yeah, it could work. So you don't know what his plan is. Like, you're still going the rest of the movie without knowing. So I thought he could have come back around and, you know, they could have been playing Dryden and Voss together. But in the long run, he was double crossing him, which isn't a surprise either. But uh, a little disappointed. I don't think he planned to double cross him. I think it was just an opportunity that opened up. 
Yeah, and he was thinking on his feet too, right? Like he saw that, oh, wait, that Han double-crossed me? That's the real coaxium? Hmm, and he's thinking on his feet going, well, I'm just going to take it and screw everybody. Yeah. And that blows up in his face. He went, he, he had a little bit too much of an overreach. Anyway, Beckett was cool. Rest in peace, sir. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about L337, Michelle. What do you think? Oh, man. Like, I love the moment where I realized, like, that L3 was going to become part of the Millennium Falcon. And I was like, how did I not realize that this is what was going to happen? Like, it, like when, it, when, that, when that realization happened, like, in my brain, when, like, she got shot and I was like, oh, wait, oh, my God, wait. And then it just happened that way. And I was like, now it makes so much sense. Like, I think I heard or read something about how someone said, like, the Millennium Falcon has, like, three brains or something. Yeah. And, like, that's – and now L3 is – it makes so much sense to me mm-hmm. now. And I was like, just even, like – Even oh. Empire, like, it changed that whole thing. This ship has the most peculiar dialect. Exactly. I just it, – it's just so cool because I loved L3's character. Like, a lot of the notes I wrote down in my notebook were L3 quotes, like – where she's just like rebellion and like the whole like um, droid uh, rebellion. I thought was hilarious. It was hol- um, it was hysterical. It was just hysterical. Where she just I I just I thought her character was just funny. Like it's exactly from the first moment. Like we're noticing her and just like that rapport between her and La- Lando and like the whole sequence in the in the pilot chair where she's like get out of my chair. Like it's just it's so funny. Like personally because i love droids like i want to get to know her more but i feel like the amount of l3 in the film was probably to be honest like enough um maybe uh just for the overall story and um i didn't think i would get that emotional when um lando was like carrying l3 in his arms and like sobbing it was just it was really emotional for me like i just yeah that was intense like elke is fantastic i have so many she's quite the spirited droid it was she was she was a lot of fun like super cool snarky witty yeah i wasn't sure how much of the feminine quality of phoebe the actress's voice they would keep um, just because, you know, going leading up to the movie, we didn't really get that confirmation. Like there were still people who were saying, oh, they're going to make it a male droid and oh, they're going to make it a female droid. Oh, we haven't decided yet, even though the actress was female. So I wasn't sure if they were going to make the voice a little bit more um, androgynous, I guess, so that we couldn't tell. But I like that they kept it her. And I just because it was nice to kind of get a different taste of a droid in terms of that she sounded more female. Oh, she she crushed it. She did such a great job. Like that line, I, I think Lando asks her, can I get you anything else? Equality. Yeah. 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 They pushed that so pretty funny. hard. So funny. I've like, seen so much complaining about that too. It's just, it was like I don't understand. Shoehorned in. No, and, it's not even shoehorned in. That's part of her character. She does the same thing in Last Shot. It's it's That's her thing. Droid rights. But people's you oh, know, right. <laughs> but you see, you see it right away with the fighting robots or the fighting droids, you know. So yeah, yeah. But people are complaining. Oh, more social justice warrior BS in my Star Wars. Get it out. She's a, she's the worst character in this movie. Get out of here, you. No, but it's funny though. It's ghoul. just funny. Like it I is feel funny. like it's it's hilarious. Like it's just kind of um, 
don't know. It just felt really like different to me in terms of just like the tone of what we've been expecting, especially considering like, cause we've been seeing rebellion like latter half now at this point, like we're on the opposite end of it in terms of the saga and like to come back now to this point where this is before the OT. So like the fact that L3 is probably one of the first people like in this timeline where they're like rebellion it's just like it's just funny to me like where that's how it starts i don't know it just was awesome Her yeah, she, she, she was pretty uh pretty stereotypical to me like i i loved her she was exactly what i expected she would be kind of she hit all the all, all the right points i guess like for a droid like i think moving forward in the sagas where we're gonna see more and more of these characters that there's always going to be a droid on part of the team, you know, like, and I don't know. She sold it pretty good. I love, again, like the custom build that she is. Mm-hmm. And I find it yeah. really interesting. I, I was kind of like, whoa, like I was blown away. Like personally, like, I don't know if you guys all walked away with the same opinion of this. I don't know if I've talked to you guys about anything about this or I haven't read anything about it either yet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I got the impression that when she's talking to Kira, and she's like, yeah, Han loves you, you know? And she's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, she's like, yeah, like she was reading his body, like his body stats and all that, like accelerated heart rate, all this stuff. Like she knows, like she, like she can sense like a change in your voice, probably like all the telltale signs. So she's like, yeah, I know because Lando's in love with me. Like, that I was think, the best. <laughs> but I, you know what? The, when she died, like I'm pretty, I was pretty much like, okay, like she was right. Like, Lando was in love with L3, like, on a romantic level. Like, that's how I interpreted all of that. Hmm. Like, it wasn't just, like, my droid died. Like, it, to me, it was, like, she was right in the sense that she was reading his body statistics or whatever you want to call okay. it there. Like, his heart rate was elevated when he was around her. All this stuff. Like, I think he was actually romantically in love with l3 like that's taking pansexuality to the next level i think (laughs) i didn't read it that way but that's an interesting interpretation of it for sure like i thought he just loved l3 as as like his companion to me i felt like it was they they're very used to like traveling together and they've been traveling across the universe together and um i don't know they were like best friends i feel like that's just kind of how i saw it like I saw it in terms of like um like Chewie and and Han like they're just like really like in terms of like how I know Chewie and Han at this point in time and how their how their relationship has kind of evolved over this long period of time where they've been like traveling together and running these things together and like these side games and like jobs and things like that and I just felt like they've gone through a lot together. So to have that one person who knows you so well, um, like kind of like family, um, is just how I viewed it. I didn't really think of it in that way, I guess, um, to me. But I mean, that's, I mean, it, it definitely. I think it's just the, the hysterical nature of, of his breakdown. Like, I, I get that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed to me, it seemed like more of a love. Uh, breakdown than a, like my friend died. I don't know like this is like oh my god my love 
I didn't really like to me it felt like family dying like that's the only way I interpreted it um maybe I was different because like I I just I, I don't know I, that's how I saw it um I it's only because she made that comment, though, that I, I, I say that, like, you know, if, yeah. I just, if she had not made that comment, and I would have saw it, like, I would have been like, okay, super attached to the droid, but when, looking back, when she actually told it to Kira, I was like... Well, when Kira I, says, well, how would that work? And she goes, it works. I know, that was funny. <laughs> but she also, like, 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 there's oh. also a moment where... She, L3 gets into the co-pilot seat and she complains about something in her, like her back, like something's tight in her back. Oh yeah. And she says to Lando, like, you're going to have to do that thing I that you do. I do that thing that you do. Yeah, exactly. That was another hint to it too. I remember you, I remember that now you saying that. That's true. She does, she does say that. I, and that moment and like how they land. Lando's it, freaky like, deaky. Exactly. He's like, he's like, shut up L3. That's just our special little thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, I'm going to have to like pay attention to that when I watch it because I didn't watch it in that way when I was watching it. So I, the way that I viewed their relationship was colored. Like I read it as they were they were trying to bring moment like that relationship was the comic relief slash moment of levity in this story. So that's kind of how I paid attention to it. But I'm going to look at it differently the next time I watch it, and then maybe I'll have a different opinion. Well, one of the things, that, the cool things about L three. Um... I, I can't say that I called it, but her becoming part of the uh, of the Falcon, and something wow. that tipped me off to that is in the trailers where she she sort of knocks herself upside the head to get her lights back on and get her I get I get her functioning properly again. That immediately made me think of that moment in Empire where they're escaping Hoth and Han bangs on the bulkhead to get the lights back on. You know which part I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, you hear it. Yeah. It's the, they use the same sound effects oh. for both. Oh my god! And he bangs exactly. the bulkhead in the exact same spot where they installed L three. Yep. And the light bulb went off for me right away, and I was like, I can't believe is this happening? Is this happening? Because I'm pretty sure it was Kyle or it was Matt Keegan. I, I was one of the two. They they'd kind of put forth that you know L three is going to be the ghost in the machine. You know, like within the Falcon. Yeah, I think Kigo talked about it. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I can't say that I claimed it because I think a lot of people put that those dots together. Like I know it's something I talked about here on the show a way back when we first saw that trailer. Um, but for me, that what really helps um, deepen this whole thing is in in a New Hope, where Han is, you know, they're they're evading the those star destroyers above Tatooine, and he says it's going to take a few minutes for me to get the coordinates from the Nava computer. He's talking about L three. Mm-hmm. She's the Nava computer. Yep, that's she, so she knows a whole lot. So that, like, that's really cool. That's going to reframe a lot of stuff for me now, regards to the Falcon. So, I, and something else, I wonder. So, when Han and Leia are in the cockpit of the Falcon and they are um, attached to the back of the Star Destroyer, and Han st- stumbles across Lando system, like, did he like Google that kind of so to speak, or did L three prompt that to him well no he says he goes oh that's interesting lando and then she goes lando system it, it's it's carrie that actually says lando system uh, right but han who put that on the screen like, did l3 yeah, sort of prompt that on the screen or did was han sort of like googling around it was like yeah. show closest gas station or mechanic shop yeah i think it was more that he's just like oh yeah best one. lando's the best one. like i think it has more to do with that than the actual computer I know, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to think L3 was sort of like, hey, 
Check in with your old friend. Anyway, it it could go either way, and it's irrelevant because we're not going back to tamper with with Empire. But uh, L3, thumbs up. Super cool. So can I get my thoughts on L3 or? Uh, Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, on the during the breakdown last week, we talked about our favorite characters. And I think I had Val last and L3 right before. And I, despite everything that, that was said, and there are a lot of good points, I just was not interested by that character. There, was, there wasn't enough there, uh, enough for me to chew on in the sense of like, it, it just seemed like, let's make K2 a girl. That, that's what it, that's what it seemed like to me. Nah, I mean, I think that the actress did a great job, and and obviously it looked great on the screen. But I wasn't like enamored with with that character. There's just something about that character that's a little off putting to me, um, and it has nothing to do with the you know the, the rebellion and the equal rights for droids and all that stuff. No, that's fine. It's just the way it came off on the screen was reprogrammed Imperial Droid. Like I got too much of too much of K2 in there and not enough originality, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, yeah that, they were, that, I, I get that. I got that. I got you there, man, too. Like yeah. they, they saw the success of K2 and the, comedi- yeah, I, the comedy behind it all. And I just, I just didn't it. feel the originality. Like there was just missing that originality for me. But, but other than that, I mean, she played a purpose and uh, I have uh, I have no problem with that at all, um, but still I would have preferred, you know, to to see it, uh, something else. Well, that's, that's going to be one of the things because I think well K two was wildly popular. I think L three is going to be fairly popular. It's there's going to be a temptation to make snarky droids like almost a, a standard now. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. that can that can get old. I don't want another snarky droid. I think. L3, like, I feel like with L3, they wanted, there were certain things they wanted to hit in terms of, like, they wanted some of that K2 stuff, but they also needed to hit certain things that make sense in terms of, like, um, her being a part of the Falcon and, like, having properties of the Falcon as part of her personality in terms of, like, going forward, how that's imbued her personality and, like, certain personalities they want the Falcon to have to be personalized in her as like a per- like a, a droid, a person of the universe that we're getting to know. Um, so in that, I feel like it was just like it served story purpose in terms of like what they wanted to do with the Falcon and like certain mythology they wanted to create. And then they added that extra stuff in, I feel like in terms of like, all right, like let's package this in a way that the fans are currently into and they brought some of that K2 in. And I think it also was, is very, um, I, what I felt a lot in terms of the K2 is just this, it's an American thing where it's like this current desire in America to see a character that's like, in terms of like a quote rebellion aspect that, echoes a lot of things that we as citizens of America that are the 51% of people who are not happy with the current administration are channeling our political frustration into and that also is like a little bit of like that speaking to the American idea of that. Sure. 
I, I, I recognized so, it. To me, as an American in this current political climate, I felt like that was also partially they were appealing to those people who see that are that do make up a lot of the people who are you know watching the public and also the people who are involved in the entertainment industry and all that. So I feel like partially it's also a product of the time that we're in and a, like partially part of what L3 is saying is a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing in the political kind of front of people. So I felt like that just felt more, it wasn't so much just that, but it was also partially because of the time that we're in now and the movie is being made in this political time period. Yeah. I, I can, I feel that Michelle, like it's amazing to me that you know, there's, there's a ton of backlash against star Wars in the, in the last I don't know, let's, let's just call it the last few years. And people saying, well, keep politics out of Star Wars. And I'm just like, it's always been there. It's always been there. So like, it's just the politics are, it's, it's allegorically about politics. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, it's that's a conversation we could talk about on another podcast because we could be here for an hour. <laughs> All right, let's move ahead to Lando. We spoke about a lot about him, obviously, with our L3 but uh, obviously Lando was just crushed by, by Donald Glover. He did a fantastic job capturing the vibe of the guy, his his suaveness, how cool he is, how like collected he is until L3 <laughs> goes down, that is. Um, I, I just, I, I can't, I don't really have a lot to say about Lando. He just did a really terrific job. What do you guys have to say? I just want to say that uh, the first line we hear from him, I, I can't remember what exactly he said, but the, the t- tonality of it was so Billy D. Like, just to put us in that mood, like, it just came off so original Lando to me that I was like, okay, like, he's yeah. knocking this out. He totally embodied the character, for sure. There's there's no question about that. Um, I, I like how the Falcon, the aesthetic of the Falcon is reflected onto Lando. That worked super yeah. well for me. He was so proud of that shit. Custom. Oh, Carlos, what do you have to say about Lando? Donald Glover crushed it. We all, I think we all knew it. We all knew that was going to happen. He did such a great job. I, I kind of didn't like the way that um, I think it was written. Uh, there was a certain point where he was like, they recruited him for a ship, and he was very standoffish a little bit. Like, not really... He was non-committal, I would say, is the word I'm looking for. And I, I didn't like that about Lando, because I, I always took Lando to be somebody who would, like, do what he had to do to get the job done, type of thing. And I didn't really... Maybe, maybe that's me, it's my own... My own head cannon. Yeah, he's but even totally from, uh, a non-committal guy. He's out for him. No, no, for sure. But I, I, I'm probably not explaining myself properly. But um, I think it was issue 34, or 35, where we get Lando in the main Star Wars run uh, with um, the female. Oh, uh, with, with with Santa. That's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's mid 30s. Yeah. So. You know, he's more confident than, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe young Lando tries to look 
more confident yes. than what it yes. really is. I got that impression a lot in this film. And, and when he does actually grow up, uh, he actually is more confident than uh, compared to... Well, not compared to, but he is as confident as he, he likes to portray. That's the only thing I didn't like about the way the character is written, but the performance was amazing. Like, really, really good. And... I like it when he gets caught with his pants down at the end. Like, <laughs> oh, that was so good. Yeah, yeah, that was perfect. Satisfying. And, and, and it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, the, it was the meeting on the on the deck uh, on Bespin. Like, exactly. It was exactly. I, that. I really like that. Yeah, I really, really like that. And um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go watch the movie again probably on Tuesday. <laughs> Michelle, what's your take <laughs> on uh, on Lando? Um, I loved Lando because, I mean, I love Donald Glover, but, um, I actually like just going off of what, uh, we were just talking about, if anything, I, I kind of think because this is the origin, this is like when we first meet him, I hope that just, it's, I kind of like that this is how we meet him in terms of like just who Lando is, whereas like a lot of, um, showmanship and i kind of like that um how we're introduced to him is very like um like when when before we meet him we get kira going talking about his charisma and like just going off and like to the point where han's like oh my god just stop like okay i get it like and then just how how he is and like he has all of these like when he's like oh all the things you've heard about me are true where it's just like a lot of mythology that he's like cultivating but like through his, I'm hoping that maybe like the whole thing is like through this iteration of like him and his, um, his, his interaction and like from what now to where we meet him in the OT series, um, is like through his interactions with Han, he ends up becoming the person who we meet later, who is actually has like, who you can't, who is a little bit more of that person who isn't just like, you know, show all, all for show. Like there's part of that there. That's like, you can count on him. Um, the the Lando comic alludes to that kind of. Yeah. And I feel like that's just, and I just feel like for that character, that just makes sense. Like in terms of the character and how they introduced him, like sure. Like right now, how we see Lando isn't exactly how we know him. And, he might be a little bit more wishy-washy or flaky, but I, I like that that's how we start with him because then there's, if we started with him already the way he is, there's nothing to build on. I'm excited just for the universe. I'm excited as a person who watches it. I'm excited for someone who's a fan of Donald Glover. I, and just knowing the story of like how when he first became an actor and he said to his agent, like, I, if there ever is a role for someone to play, Lando like I want it like I want you to put me up for it and his agent being like I don't like your odds and then him like fast forward to the future where he is playing him and he is killing it like dude is just he is like the poster boy of like calling into intention for like anyone who is into like new age like the secret or whatever it is about like law of attraction dude has got it like he's great He's, He's awesome. fantastic. And you're, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right about that. I, I think given a little more time, I, I don't know if we'll see Donald Glover as Lando on screen again. Oh, but... I hope we do. But I don't, I, I mean, I know. I feel like if I he bet had you we the do. chance, 
he would be like, because just because of just knowing how much this role and this character means to him, I feel like if he read something and it was cool, he would do it. Like he could write something. Like he's a writer. He like, could totally write. I would be down for that. Like that would be cool. But expectations were high for him, and he he oh, met yeah. them. And I wasn't disappointed. And and that's hard because everyone like leading up to this movie, like regardless of what people were saying about the movie on ev- like everyone had a consensus i think that he was really great in this film and like going into a movie where everyone's like well i'm not really 100% sure but the one thing i do know is that donald glover is really great and he has a lot of charisma that's the one thing that i think everyone kind of expected going into the movie pretty much i probably everyone so like the fact that like he didn't disappoint was really huge i think and it's just a testament to him i think he's just he nailed it I hope they put. I, I I don't know if I want to see a Lando standalone. Like I feel like yeah, we I don't need that, but I would love to see like a Lando TV series or something. Yeah, that would work for me in a big way because you can go you because right now Han and Lando can't meet again, so we're not going to see though that team up again. No, so you got to you got to shift them somewhere. People though, I would I would really be interested to see how. I mean, if the Boba Fett movie comes up or, like, any time he needs to interact with um, some people that, like, are unexpected would be cool. Um, even just people that we don't know that he would hang out with. I mean, I just, I mean, give me anything. Like, I would be down for just, like, a cameo that's, like, a good cameo that makes sense to the story. But And even yeah. that's kind of presumptuous, Kyle. I was thinking about that after the film. I uh, you know, like, when... Lando says, what did you do to my ship? Okay. Like, doesn't necessarily mean that that's the last time they met. And it kind of, kind of, you know, leans toward that, but it's not necessarily the case. Like, they could have met each other, like, a year or two down the line. The ship's relatively... Uh, I don't know. I know what you mean. But, yeah. He could meet him and not actually go on the ship. Like, he could just meet him in passing, like during like a romp or something i don't know i mean that doesn't make that doesn't seem realistic that if he were to bump into han knowing that the millennium falcon might be around and him not wanting to go to it right all right so good carlos did you did you have your say on lando yeah i was the first one okay i'm losing track here um okay let's lando is great thumbs up all around so let's uh let's move to kira and I'll just say, like, I went in with really low expectations of this character. Like, I thought she'd be pretty bland and predictable. But in, after two viewings, I still can't quite figure her out. And I, I say that as a compliment. Like, I don't know what she's quite... I don't know quite what she's up to. Like, I don't know if she's a good person trapped in a really bad situation. Or if she's someone leaning into her, uh, like, criminal aspirations for more. Like, I don't know at the end, did she abandon Han because she's trying to pr- protect him from from Maul and Crimson Dawn? Or is she just saying, like, this is me. I'm I'm not a good person. I'm a criminal, and I'm going to stay away from Han because he's not. I don't know if you guys noticed this uh, while watching the film. Like, I only saw it once, but I'm sure twice while they're on uh, Dryden Boss's ship, that he like she's staring at these jewels right these giant diamonds and emeralds it looks like 
and she, it's like she doesn't care. So that to me kind of says like she, I don't know if she's necessarily in it for the money anymore. Just take that stuff and run and get away from it all. But knowing that it's Maul pulling the strings, like I don't think she she likes it per se to to do what she has to do and go and meet him. I don't think like. You know, looks like she's the new Dryden boss, kind of. You know, like she's going to be running this criminal underworld, which is cool. But in the same light, I think it is kind of to protect Han, like you said. Carlos, your take on Kira? <laughs> it's it's tough to say. I I think I I mainly uh, I agree with you in the sense that I you don't know what the character brings, and it's kind of I kind of like it. I like that. I like that there's no... You can't pinpoint exactly what her motivation is. Because uh, at first you're believing that it's... That it's her allegiance to, uh, to, to to Voss. And... But then we know that from the end scene where we actually see Maul. That, like... There's something else. Like, she is... Like, she can't run from this, right? Yeah, exactly. She knows that she's in it no matter what. I, I I really like that, and it's hard to put your finger on as a fan. Um, but that, that's that's good writing, I think. I think it's yes, a, it's a yes, well it's, charted out character. So like we still don't know how she got to where she got. Like she's what she's seen probably to get to where she is in comparison to what well Han was in war fine, but to get where she is, like man, she had to have done some probably some pretty messed up stuff well she there's there's two allusions to that in the movie right where she says you don't know what i've done right they're in yeah the, she uh, says that a lot yeah so like i think when they're, they're in the cape closet right before they start kissing and she says you don't know what i've done and i think dryden Vo- was it dryden voss or beckett who say something similar beckett, beckett interrupts them and then he says something yeah he says, well, he says you, maybe you don't well or know her well enough yeah, but I think even Dryden Voss has something to say Dryden as Voss well. Has something about her too, and they did make that. They did make a quote. I don't know the exact terminology because I wrote it down, but I can't find it in my notes because I didn't tab it. But um, they do say something about how she survives, like she's a survivor. Like, and I feel like whenever you use that term "survivor," like in a film like this, where it's a character like her, it's like it, it's like another way of saying like. She's shady. Regardless of how it, how you do it, you do what it takes so that you can survive. And I feel like just that's like the character. That's like the point of what they're trying to, what they're all trying to say is that she's done things to survive to where she is now and at that position where she is the first lieutenant, right? So, um, yeah, like she's done thing, and that's why. She, and the thing is that she she says like, yeah, um, you don't know what I've done, but like, at that point, like I I felt like when she, I didn't expect her to follow Han. Like I knew that she would stay in it, and my mom said the same thing. Where it was just like, there comes a point when if you've done this, like at that point, I felt like after every like all of those people, multiple people have said about her is that you know she survived. She's done things. Even she says it. All of the like people who are both good, bad, or what how we would perceive to be good, bad, or like in between have all said it. Like not just the bad people or the good people. Like ev- like Beckett says it. Kira says it. Um, like hot. Wait, who else says it? Dryden Voss. I think I'm sure that like 
someone else has said it too, but I don't know. Anyway, I just felt like that just from what they were telling us just made sense that she would stay. And I just also felt like in terms of the character develop, like the character, like Khan's character and also Kira's character to that point of the film, like we had gotten to that point of the film where like that relationship, there needs to be something more serious that happens between them to get Han to where he is as a person and a man where we meet him in A New Hope. And I felt like what we were watching, like Kira had to become part of his direct opposition. So like we're going to have to see that. We're going to see, there has to be a second movie, like a movie in, that's coming up where we see them face off or else it doesn't make sense for the development of Han if we're going to start at that point where we started to get him to where we need to get yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, There's going to be a huge falling out and lo- loss of trust between the two or at least from his end. Point, like, you know, at that point she, like, she was doing things she needed to survive and while she was doing them she started gaining power and it's that moment where Dryden Voss is gone and she's like, okay, I can either go on the run with Han and have all these people coming after me, like the people that did think that people will do things to me. Like maybe she did to other people that she knows, like people will, it doesn't matter if they like me or not. Like they will do things in order to survive. So she's experienced that. So she knows it. And also when you get a taste of that power, like when you're directly reporting to Darth Maul in that universe, like, are you like that whole idea of power and the force and will you get tempted I feel like it just makes sense that she would go to that next step and be like, okay, I'm going to take the reins. And you thought I was this person, this poor girl, you know, where in a place where everyone goes to like, you know, who wants to get, everyone wants to get out of. And here I am, I have all the power. Like it just made natural story sense to me in terms of her arc that she would take that step. Agreed. They surprised me a bit with her. Like, I thought her character was going to be pretty predictable. And yeah. in the long run, it kind of was in the sense that everything played out the way it should have, but, but not the I didn't, way we thought it would. Exactly, like I didn't think she would necessarily survive. I knew she would kind of betray Han, uh, but is it like Kyle said to protect him to actually become that kingpin herself? All it is in the end, like just Chewie's hand on Han's shoulder there, like, like yo, bro, like you tried, you did the right thing. Let's talk about Han. Carlos, how did you f- feel about the character of Han? Um, I liked it. I, I liked it more than I thought I would like it. Uh, there were mannerisms, and obviously a lot of it had to do with writing. The writing was, was done well. Yeah, you gotta give it up to the Kasdans. And I still can't... I still didn't see Han Solo. It, it looked like, when I was watching it, I know they're talking about Han Solo, and... It looked like an artist's rendition of Han Solo or Han Solo, as opposed to believing 100% in the character. Because Alden Ehrenreich has has striking features, and he's very symmetrical, and Harrison Ford is not. Harrison Ford, uh, if you take a shot of of his face and cut it in half, and you separate them, half of his face looks like he's smiling, and the other half looks like he's frowning. There's, and this is true. It's been done. I've actually seen pictures of it. And uh, how how can I explain it? In, in a Harrison has too much of a of a a face 
that cannot be replicated. So I had I had a hard time uh, looking at the younger character and 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 seeing uh, the Han Solo that we 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 see. Now, if you would have got into a huge scrap in, in in the movie where you actually see him get a scar on his chin, I don't know. Maybe he has to, like you know, there's some type of like facial reconstruction <laughs> that would ex- that would explain why his face is not the same from this movie to episode four. But that that that's that's just a niggle of mine. Yeah, like, it's that was that was a challenge for fans all along is to accept this much smaller in stature guy as as this iconic character that we've grown up with. It was it was always gonna be a, a tough go. But I think Ehrenreich did as good a job as we could have hoped for. Uh no no, definitely the uh, his, no, the acting was there. It's all there. I had absolutely no issues at all with uh with the acting. With the job that he that he did, uh, there were mannerisms, and obviously the writing helped uh, with the uh, the rapport between him and Chewbacca. Uh, it was awesome. So I I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. I just and I, I and I like him as an actor. I think he's a very good actor. It's just, that was that was the only thing that was a little lacking for me. But it's not the end of the world. Like. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like for for me, like this character, this iteration of the character. Of course, we're reverse engineering Han a bit. Like he was way more smiley and optimistic than I had expected. Even though we got a heavy dose of that in the trailer. Um, but I I don't know that we've seen everything we need to see to bridge the gap from this Han to a New Hope Han. Like I think we need more. And it's like even as this movie ends, and he's been betrayed by Beckett, who he had to kill. And sort of abandoned no, by Ki- Kira. He needs to be. He needs. He needs Kira to like cut him down. Like that's what needs to happen. He needs her to. He needs Kira to have. Kira needs to rip his heart out. Like he's still. Well, she did joy. at the end of this film. I think she did. She did by. Yeah. By leaving him there. Yeah, I think that was. That, that was, was the moment where Chewie was like, the hand on your shoulder. End. Like, sorry, bro. No, because well, see, he, then he goes to see Lando to win the Falcon, and he's still full of like boundless energy like I, we need to see the morose well, yeah, because, and jaded fal- uh, Han Solo because like yeah she hasn't gone with him yet but like at that point like in terms of Han's eyes like sure he didn't she didn't come but she hasn't done the one thing that makes her unable to be turned at this point in terms of like if you think about how characters approach other characters in that sense in the star wars universe where like they were like oh darth vader like you you're they're still good in you like right now i feel like in terms of how han views here she hasn't done anything unforgivable to the point where it would eviscerate him and like that's still coming up like that needs to happen before we go into a new hope and we meet han there because he's not broken yet like to the point where like who you are and the fabric of who you understand yourself to be because of this person that's been in your life for so long. Like that isn't, that isn't like ruined to the point where you can't turn back. Like, I feel like that needs to happen first. True. It's pretty close though. Like, I don't think she she left them high and dry. Like I granted, I do agree with you in the sense that they're, you know, there's got to be more to this story now at this point. Like, the way they ended it, like, yes, their story is not necessarily, like, finished. 
put in the same regard. Like, yeah, she, I like Kyle said, she, he was full of life, but at the same time, like, it's, it's, some people put on that brave face, you know? Yeah. All right, let's, let's, uh, obviously, thumbs up all around for, for Alden Ehrenreich as Han. We totally buy in. Mostly, I think. But uh, let's let's talk about his sidekick, my boy Chewie. That intro, I never expected yeah, to have us introduced to Chewie in that way. And it was only when that Stormtrooper says, uh, throw him down to, to the, the beast. beast. I was like, oh my god, it's Chewie. It's Chewie, it's Chewie. I heard Kyle out loud. I was sitting beside him in the theater and he was like, Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right away. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And it was creepy. It was like the uh, the Wampa almost well, like just to see was, him all like m- like matted down and muddy and but the build-up to it you know like the music the way he was walking through that like muddy tunnel yep you as a fan you know but like if you you're seeing this character for the first time or whatever it's like very similar to that you know yeah i'm really happy with the amount of chewy that we got uh, just it's good old chewy like i i, I can't be happy i couldn't be happier no, I want to see why the whole life debt thing, I, I wish they would have enunciated on that a little further. Like, yes, he rescued Chewie and all that, but it's kind of like they're both doing their own thing, you know? Like, I, w- I wish it was a little more, like, poignant in the sense that where he directly, like, saves Chewbacca's life and, like, in a more direct way. Well, I know what I you mean. mean. Like, he... Yeah. He saved him from certain death, but if you, you hear the stormtroopers say that the beast had not eaten in three days, yeah. So I mean, Chewie could have been, you know, circling the drain there in terms of how much longer he had to live, and until Han showed up and uh, showed him the way out. I, thought, I found it a bit weird that he spoke Wookie. I'd say like, yes, it was a bit funny and all that, but I was like. Like obviously he understands English anyway. Like why can't you just say like, dude, I speak Wookiee. Like I can understand if you speak to me. Like let's just talk like this. But well, it probably calls back to Lucas's origin for Han Solo, which was that he was raised by Wookies, and so I I guess for. I mean, I don't know if that's still true. I mean, I'm pulling that from the Revenge of the Sith, the Art of Revenge of the Sith book, where Han grew up with Wookies. So I, I feel like if if you're a human that knows uh shriwook or whatever it's called it's because you spent time with wookies and so that would automatically trigger chewy to say wait i gotta step off this guy just a bit i feel like that's also just it also makes sense to like in terms of like the situation because like if you think of like where chewy was he was in that in 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 the pit and these people all around him that are you know bad in terms of like him as a as a captive all the people who are keeping you captive are speaking English, right? So, like, I think maybe in terms of, I don't know, this is just me, like, spitballing, but, like, in terms of Han's mind, he's just like, okay, well, he's probably tuned everyone out at this point. The quickest way when I'm, on, like, when he's about to, like, murder me is probably to just, like, slip into his language. Because, like, as a person who speaks in Japanese, like, if a Japanese man was trying to, kill me i know he probably understands english but i would be like i'd probably say something in japanese i don't know it just makes sense to me and then be like oh by the way do you speak english and then switch i don't that's just i I don't know i feel like if you're just in a frenzy like that's just the one the native language is what you go to so i feel like it just makes sense that he did that to me but 
I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. It just it was just weird hearing him, you know, like Yeah. It was sort of weird to hear all those grunts coming out of uh, a human, but uh, anyway, it is what it is. It was I kind appreciated of funny. the subtitles though. Yes. Clearly. Yeah. Alright, quickly here, we got a couple more characters to get to and then we'll uh we'll jump into a couple other things. So Enfys Nest. Like, I am completely surprised at her reveal. I am completely shocked at my reaction to it. Like, I was not expecting this at all. Like, not only was I surprised that she's this young girl, and that, like, but I'm also, like, really happily surprised that her gang is connected to Saw Gerrera's partisans. Like, the, the, her referring to Rebellion, her having uh, Benthic, the, uh, the, the Tognath, as part of her group, like before this film, I, I thought she'd be like a passing thug in the, in the Star Wars galaxy, but there's so much here now with this character in this group. Like she, I I want to know more about this character. I, I gotta say she was the takeaway character from this film. To be honest, the total total surprise, like out of left field, great reveal. Always say this, guys. Great unmasking. Like she looked oh. like one of the. Uh, one of the lost boys from Neverland or something, you know what I mean? Oh, like great reference. I, agree. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's just something about her, her being like you said, Kyle, so young. Uh, I don't know. If, I hope you guys, I tried to track this down like right before the show. I should have taken it down when I saw it. I tried to Google it for like, that's only a good five minutes and I couldn't find it, but someone had translated the Orbesh on her helmet and it was, <gasps> it was so cool. It was something like, you know, like, it was always about reaching further and further to the there's nowhere else to go kind of that was like the the gist of it but it was like upwards and like onwards almost like excelsior i don't know it was so cool but yeah she was the connection the connectivity like kyle just said there the partisans all that stuff super unexpected and probably one of the best parts of this film to me like just i I don't want to make the galaxy small and all that, but I just think this was the coolest thing. And to have Han, you know, have Han be at the heart and the genesis of the rebellion. I always said it was the ghost crew that is really the one that strung all this together. Like all these tis- like all these things are starting to line up now. Like why they happen and who's a part of it and who are the major players. And Han just became a part of that in the sense, like you guys said, like we, him saying like once he hears Enfys' story after the let's go get a drink or whatever I need a drink like he's he, right away he's just like we can't do this like, well I think it's... Dave Donovan said it in her Facebook group like at least this Han is consistent right because she offers him she's like we need warriors and leaders like yourself join our rebellion and he's like nah and fast forward to A New Hope and you know Luke's saying stick around join the rebellion he's like nah hey, he's like I'll just give you some chips to play with but he, he, he did the right thing, man. But And that just, again, like him being where, like it seems like this fuel is where the, the rebellion actually had a fighting chance and where it all actually kind of began. And to know that Han is the reason for that is just ridiculous. That's it's pretty cool. Uh, Michelle, your take on Emphis Nest? I'm obsessed with Emphis Nest. When... I just, I can't get over it. Like, that was probably, like, it was, I, that you're watching a Star Wars movie 
and you or like even in this day and age when like I tried my best to stay away from spoilers and the fact that like I was able to be surprised like that just by a character I mean I was so because Emphis Nest is at the bottom of my list going into what I'm excited about most seeing and Coming out of that movie, I think Enfys Nest was probably one of my star moments of that movie where I just fell in love with that character. Yep. Just like you were saying, the unmasking was fantastic. I remember, like, one of the moments that I specifically remember as part of watching that film is the moment Enfys Nest unmasked and... I was like, <gasps> and I looked at my mom and I could see out of the corner of my eye. My mom had the same reaction and she looked and then we just like had a moment where we looked at each other and we were just like, oh, our our like jaws were just like on the floor. Like, oh my God. And our eyes were just like sparkling. Like, this is it. Like, this is amazing. And it was just like really unexpected. I love that she was, I didn't expect her to be young. I didn't expect her to be like young and female i didn't i also didn't expect her to seem like a good guy diverse i didn't i didn't everyone was saying she was a villain and i didn't think that she was a good guy and i just and i loved that it also compounds also on top of this new theme even though this is an old like this in terms of the timeline it's older but in this current iteration of star wars movies of like bad and good is not always as it, a lot of what who's yes. bad and who's good is about who's talking about the person you're talking about. And like with Enfys Nest, Certain I felt like that view. was totally it. It was just the point of view, where you stand from, who you, you're, who's looking at Enfys Nest. Cause we start in with Beckett and that crew and to them, Enfys Nest is a bad guy. So we are introduced to Enfys Nest as this like person who's trying to track them. We think she's a bounty hunter all this stuff, and then we, there's this character. We're led to believe she's, like, believe part of that. a rival yeah. gang. Exactly. And it just, there's this character turn where all of a sudden, she's not what she seems, and I just thought that that was just so fantastic that in this day and age, and in this level of film, in terms of, like, people are obsessed with this universe, and, like, people are trying to get the spoilers, and it, I, I understand, like, they're very protective about story, but, like, the fact that I was able to be surprised by it was amazing. I was looking for this movie to give me that moment where I was like, <gasps> and like, give me something that I didn't think I was going to fall in love with and didn't expect. And that character is totally it for me. I am like a hundred percent Emphis Nest fangirl. I want to dress up as Emphis Nest at Celebration. I want that helmet. I liked her as a foil too for people like Kira and also because Kira is also one of those gray characters as well, but she's like on the other side. I didn't realize I liked that her part was a lot bigger than I expected and that she kind of like surprised me and she just came out of left field for me. I, I just thought that was so awesome. And it just really gives more food for thought in terms of like how this film impacts the rest of the films yep. in the universe. I, 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 I found that. I found that quote that's uh, written on her helmet. It's actually, they call it poetry. What's written on her helmet in Orabesh is, until we reach the last edge, the last opening, the last star, and can go no higher. Sounds like something Jin would say. And Carlos, Carlos, what, what's your take on Enfys Nest? 
I, I was curious about this character from uh, from the beginning. Uh, it was she, she was way ahead of of L three on my on my list, and um, I wasn't disappointed. I was really man. Like how could you? There was no way to predict that, and I like that. Uh, that's that's one thing that I I really. Um, it's not something I look for, but it's, you know, when, when I'm, when I have no way of actually predicting, uh, who the character is and what the character's motivation is, uh, I tip my hat to the writers and yeah, you gotta, you gotta tip your hat there. It was, uh, yeah. Spoiler free. That was a big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's genius the way they've taken a character and then flipped her on us made us feel so like bad. idiots for doubting her and then connected the whole thing to the rebellion the early stages of the rebellion it's it was it's borderline genius i tell you so good and she had just so i i can't wait to watch the movie again so i can write down more of her dialogue because she had some great like well, like just moments of like dialogue yeah just, she really I loved did. it I even loved I one of my favorite things that um I think when we are first introduced her that she says is like we're not marauders, we're allies. And mm-hmm. I was like, Mm-hmm. I like you. <laughs> yeah, she's captivating. She's she's, she's just, she and she is exactly like what I would think would need to be an early rebellion leader. Because you need someone who's very charismatic and someone that you're just like enthralled by to join something like that you know extreme exactly and it just and and to because this is the very early stages to get to where it is today and to recruit all those big people it just kind of it makes sense that like it also makes a lot of sense that she would be involved with like you know bigger names like saw Gerrera and just like in that world it's just so cool i'm just into it i can't wait to like learn more about her yeah a home run with emphasis nest absolutely all right, so lastly here, got uh, we got the, our big boy Dryden Voss, the charismatic and temperamental Dryden Voss, where Paul Bettany did a great job stepping in for Michael K. Williams. Like one of the things I did not bring up on the podcast, one of the speculations I avoided, is from a TV spot where he says, um, "You know who I work for," and I knew then and there when he said that, when I heard that line, that whatever the answer to that question was, was the the Marvel level reveal that people like Peter Shreda from Slash Film were talking about. So I didn't, I didn't want to go there with you guys because I didn't want us to maybe hit on the answer. So we just, we, I just left it alone. Didn't I pretended it didn't exist? But what, what, what did uh, Corey? What did you think about Dryden Voss? He should have been a lion, half lion, half man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the original plan, but uh, no, he really did pull it off. Yeah, other than that, I think very predictable character. If any character was predictable, I think it was him. He was very just the typical bad guy guy. But he typical. did a good job. He did a he did a great job in that. Carlos, your take on Dryden? I love him. I wish I wish we saw more. Well, you're not going to. <laughs> it's over. I know. You kind of you're afraid of him, but you're kind of also like uh, uh, drawn to him. And sure. you see the scars on his face and it's like, yeah, yeah, 
you don't get that, uh, you know, by feeding the squirrels in the park. And he's just, there's just something like extremely cool about him. Absolutely, there is. Uh, Michelle. Um, I love Paul Bettany, so yeah, I I already knew that I was just I and I I love Paul Bettany playing bad characters like like villains and good characters, uh, and everything in between. He's just a fantastic actor. Um, and I I like when he plays like bad because it's just like when you're that attractive, like even with that much like fake scarring on your face like you have to be bad like it's in that level movie i just feel like you've got to be evil i don't know it just makes sense to me um what that explains to you about my love life i don't know (laughs) um maybe it has a lot to do with that but anyway um i thought he was great um i thought he was i just the way that like he just laughed off like murdering people on like a monday it was just really funny to me like just like well that that's just you know my day um and i just i love that like it's just really great when you can cause it's just like villain is a state of mind and it just really is cool when you're just that into it i love characters that are i mean it's predictable but you need a villain like that and i just i like it especially as a first like first off like tee up villain i thought was pretty good because like you got to start you have to build on something when you start with like I I knew that there would be like a probably a continuation of the Han story it's in some shape or form and the first villain they have to meet it has to be like formidable but not too bad because you need like usually that really big bad is saved for like the second or third movie right. so I just figured like it wouldn't be crazy bad but and I knew that he was probably working for one of like a Darth. I, that's, I, I wasn't sure which one, but I like, I had read some, I had seen like a little something where it was just like totally off prediction, but they thought, but it, I, I saw that and I was like, there has to be someone he's working for. In terms of the timeline, I'm not sure who it would be, but I would assume like the Sith Lord of some sort. Um, just makes sense. Um, and I was just like waiting to be surprised, but I really just, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by him. Like, um, I also liked that they didn't, like, it was not as heavy handed as they could have gone with the whole Kira dynamic. Um, I mean, it was as much as I expected, but like, I, I don't know. I, I could have just done without that stuff. It's just like obvious. I didn't need that. It was just uncomfortable. But yeah, he's great. He's always great. Yep. So last, let's just talk about the, that big reveal of Maul. Like personally, I'm I'm ashamed of myself for not seeing it coming. And you know, going back to that Voss line about you know who I work for, it really could only have been one person. You know, I, I don't know if, if if everybody just sort of defaulted to Jabba, but we totally should have seen this coming. Like I'm I'm filled with shame. <laughs> Corey, yeah, what, do you, what I, do you think? I don't think you should feel so filled with shame because. Personally, it was a bit of a surprise for me as well, especially in the sense that I think I had said this as soon as we got out of the theater, like the people listening, uh, all of us on the pod, like real hardcore fans kind of, you know, like a casual fan will be like, what? Like, how does this like, I know plenty of people that like Star Wars that would be like, well, isn't that the guy we saw get cut in half? 
Like, where? No. How, how does that make sense now? They'd be all f***ing confused. Like, so. By the way, they'd be all confused. Like, so, like, if you haven't watched The Clone Wars or Rebels or anything of that nature and you don't know. So, I, I do think it was a little bold and ballsy to do that. I love the fact that they've got Frey Park and Sam Witwer to work together. Yeah, that was just so dope. But, yeah, it makes perfect sense like yeah in the timeline that's exactly where he's at and yeah, the, the moment see him, the moment i heard sam Witwer's voice i was like oh god <gasps> yeah it was so good i could tell right away it was him yeah me too i heard my mom and i both we heard the verse and we're like we like we grabbed each other's hand we're like no and then we saw it and we're like, yeah the, the mechanical leg was like Wait, wait a sec, and then I was like, voice. "Was it like, Vader? Oh. Who is it?" Oh, like yeah. I slow, I slowly turned towards Corey. I'm like, "Like, <laughs> am I really seeing this?" <laughs> but the Corey was just like, uh, mouth open. It it could it can lead like if they do follow through with that, and again, it should in the sense that you know what, like Kira's still out there. Her and Han have unsettled business. Now she has to deal with uh, with Maul, which is pretty intense. So th- there's that, and but there can also be the you know the next time we possibly see Maul after is when he's the shadow, more or less. When we see him on Malachor and he's a broken and beaten down old man, kind of maybe something happens to him there where he, you know like his, his empire comes apart. We know that it unravels. Yeah, he's lost a lot of. Con- he does lose control of it at some point. I don't know if we'll, if we'll see Han responsible for that. But it, like, raise your hand if you thought we'd live in a world where Maul and Han Solo would be adversaries, because oh that's that's coming. I don't know if if Maul will personally be chasing down Han, but they're like he's obviously got a bone to pick with him now. And it's yeah, gonna be, well, it's going to be really interesting, and we know that. Nothing is going to happen to either Maul or Han in this confrontation, which sort of robs the whole thing of any power. Yeah, exactly. Like, this... Han doesn't even really believe. <laughs> Again, trust me, if he saw Maul with a lightsaber, he'd be like, yeah, the, it's all true. <laughs> to Luke, the first time he meets him. Something's going to go down there, and it's going to be really interesting to watch, because I think for sure, I mean, this we're going down this insane path, right? Like, I don't know if I can't say for sure that they're doing a, a solo sequel, but it seems insane to me to think that they won't follow up the story that they've laid out. Yeah, they could do the whole Marvel standalone thing. Like, say, let it be Kenobi next or Boba. We don't know. Both can play on Tatooine, which leads into Boba, Jabba, Bounty, like the criminal underworld. Like, it's all somewhat connected there, you know what I mean? So, for sure, it's it's not over. I'd have to agree with you there. Like, why even bother introducing him? And confusing, I said. Like, it's the casual fan would be like, what's going on now? Like, he, even one of the our group that was with us. Yeah, like, he, had, uh, he had questions. Yeah, he was like, he's like, I don't understand now. Like, well, if you don't watch Clone Wars or Rebels, exactly, you're you're lost. Exactly, which is something we've talked about before too. Like, should you have to watch those things and? Anyhow, it is what it is. Like it, it served, it served me well. So I, I thought it was pretty interesting. But so you guys, 
Um, I did read an article in the Los Angeles Times that was published yesterday where they don't specifically talk about the sequel, like that they're going to have one, but they do answer a question about potential sequels, the writers, the casting. Wasn't Lawrence saying that this is his final film? He's done now? Um, They said... Uh, um, well, I mean, maybe Jonathan's gonna like is gonna take the reins, but they do talk about because the question is, um, this movie definitely leaves some plot threads that could be explored in future sequels. Do you have ideas of where would you like where you'd like to see things go from here? And um, yeah, they say. Oh, actually, no, they say um. We'd love to tell more stories from there. And they, it's like a three pair, like a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten line answer. But they do talk about how they did leave it open. They wanted to leave it as pregnant with dramatic possibility. So if people wanted to see it, it could potentially happen. And um, so they wanted to end it with a promise that they could be going to Job of the Hut because they thought it would. Um, be a great tease and they thought that Alden would be as Han would be cool for that story and he'd be ready for it and um, they talked about how they would like to see more uh, complicated relationship between Jabba and Han and Hera is not done in Han's life so they'd like to tell more stories there and that at that point it's not the debt that he owes Jabba in A New Hope but and there's 10 years between new hope and that point where we see him leave off in the ending of solo but um yeah they did discuss that they would it says we'd like to tell more stories there so i guess he's not done i would i would agree with that you like even if the box office numbers aren't great so far like clearly this has received enough positive word of mouth like fans have accepted this enough that i'll be shocked if they don't explore this further that's it i'm pretty that's that's the elephant in the room tonight. We haven't discussed it, which I'm kind of glad. But I'd say like, uh, I didn't write the movie, I didn't do anything, but I always kind of take that stuff personally, and I was kind of a little bummed. Well, we'll see what happens in in the coming weeks. We'll see if if this is, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll, we, there's a lot of factors that go into this, and we'll we'll suss those out in the in the uh, yeah. in maybe next week. I think it's still too soon to talk about sequel. De- Deadpool had a better opening weekend, man. Come on, man. The first weekend, you mean? Yeah. Like Deadpool weekend. 1? Yeah. yeah. Well, Deadpool 2 had a better opening oh, weekend than... Yeah. I didn't see it yet, so I can't say anything about it. But I heard, I've heard, i heard things from different people who have different opposing views about it. So, All right, know. so in, in 30 seconds, let's try this one more time. You get to, 30 seconds to list off any final highlights, things you liked or things you didn't like. Corey. Let's give it another try. 30 seconds. List them. Okay. Uh, Lando's reaction. Or I won't say Lando's. Uh, Donald Glover didn't necessarily sell me on L3's death, even though it was a big part of the film and what it led to was awesome. Uh, missed opportunity for not having any lead-ins to Boba Fett or Kenobi film in the Marvel-esque thing we were talking about. Train scene amazing. Empty's Nest was the big takeaway for me, for me with the connectivity. Uh, we see the real Han in that moment as well and saying that we can't do this. The characters were perfect. Chewie and Han is a relationship. Uh, Kessel Run was great. 
And this one's for you, Kigo, with Gonk dancing on the control panel during the uh, escape. Perfect. And uh, let's let's say this, Kyle. Um, we could. This is for you, James. Actually, <laughs> we could have used a pinch more therm scissor punch. <laughs> a pinch. <laughs> you you exceeded your thirty seconds for that. Terrible. Please, that was perfect, <laughs> Carlos. Thirty seconds, my friend. Uh, overall, uh, I thought it was a great summer movie. Um, the one thing that I did not uh, overly enjoy was the Kessel Run. Um, the whole, you know, ship getting sucked back into the black hole, like in the reboot of Star Trek. Uh, it, it that that little part took me out of the movie. That you know, let's we have to dump this thing, you know, get the boost, you know, and we're gonna get out of this the whole gravitational force pull. It's I I, I saw Chris Pine and and, uh, and Simon Pegg. That's that's what I saw there, and it's not a bad thing. I thought I thought that was great, but I've seen it before. That 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 bugged me a little. But besides that's that, true. I, I kind of get you there too. The whirlpool thing, like even like it. Like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, almost you know, like you're all getting sucked. You had that, your thirty uh, seconds, like, Corey. With that shut Kraken up. Monster thing. <laughs> well, well, whatever. I don't know. Just moving yeah, on to Michelle. That moving on to Michelle. Michelle's thirty seconds. I uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was really fun. I thought as a summer movie, it was great in terms of like it's it's got that summer movie feel. But it also has a story that has heart that tracks. I didn't have like a bunch of crazy plot holes that bothered me, which was nice. Um, and I really loved getting to see the characters and getting to know more about the mythology. Um, I liked that we we didn't talk about it on the pod, but we did get to know the whole origin of the name Han Solo um, in addition to getting to learn more about the mythology of the Falcon getting to see a mint Falcon was really cool um, and I just loved all I love that there was a lot of new mythology and all that tied into the old mythology and Emphis Nest 100% everything the best I don't know it was just just such a great turn and I just love Chewie period Chewie is fantastic he looks fantastic for 190 years of age in this film. And yeah, just great. Fantastic. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it multiple times. Yep. Watch it again. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy, I did enjoy the Kessel Run. I know what you're saying, Carlos, about the I've seen this before thing. Uh, but I, I, lo- I thought it was exciting. Uh, Enfys Nest was, a, was one of the highlights of the film for me, for sure. Uh, I hate you. I know was great. Shout out to oh, James. Yeah. That was fantastic. Uh, of all the many, many Easter eggs, many of which called out to legends, which I don't really care about. But my favorite was the reference to Aura Singh's death. Yes, I, me too. Yeah, I liked the connection. Like Aura Singh ran around with Cad Bane. Like I, I like that all of these players are mingling in the same circles. Like things are close, and we're nibbling at the edges of some really interesting stuff, and I like that. If and, you, and if you know her too, you put, it makes Beckett look all that much more badass. Yeah. And and uh, the soundtrack, which I thought was absolutely astounding. And it pisses me off to no end that I cannot find a physical copy of it anywhere around me. 
and Lord knows I looked, I just can't find it. So I'm settling for Spotify at the moment, but it is, it's amazing. It really is amazing. So that's it. I have one, can I say one thing though? Sure. Um, as part of the Kessel Run, there's this part that I know we, it wasn't like expressly talked about. It was kind of like a, a moment, but um, it was like a after the Kessel Run and they land, they're on the beach and then Han goes, um, he just, no one like pays attention. He's like, oh, we just did the Kessel Run in 12, par- in 12 parsecs. And he's just like bragging. And then um, Chewie says something and then Han goes, not if we round down. So you know how we were all talking about yeah. how we Less think than. that it might have not been exactly how long we thought it was going to be? Called it. Yeah, he bragged a little bit too much. <laughs> and he, Where he and... was like, you did it 12 parsecs. And then she was like, uh-uh. And he's like, well, not if you round down. <laughs> and we no, also have to know, because like Han almost played it like it was a, th- a thing that he did. Even though he says it's, yep. it's the ship that made the Kessel Run. He plays <laughs> it as a thing he did. But he had a ton of help to make yeah, that work. Totally. Yeah, he was in control, though. He was the the captain at that point. But still, take away L3, it doesn't work. Take away um, Beckett plugging in the coaxium, it doesn't work. Like, Yeah, well, that's, I mean, what's the point of being a captain if you don't have a crew, right? No, but I'm saying it's, Han always played it like, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy that flew the ship, and I'm the coolest pilot around, but he needs people. Anyway, he said now, that's it. That moment was just funny. It was great. So much fun. Such a fun movie. Go out and see it again and again. All right, so we're going to take a break here. We're done talking about this movie for now. I'm sure we'll have more next week, but uh, I'm going to work in a few voicemails from our powerful friends. And uh, they've got some opinions of this movie too. So we'll check in with them, and then we'll wrap up the show. Oh, man. That was brilliant. I love that film so, so much. I think that to me that's the best that's the best of the new films for me. Wow, I bought into the characters. Olden was brilliant. Chewbacca, oh just so much of Chewie, it was brilliant. I'm kind of just walking out with this massive smile on my face. It's such a great film. I can't wait to take um take my boys to see that brilliant just brilliant all right there goes ads i wonder how ads really feels about this movie i love your enthusiasm (laughs) bro yeah no he ads sounds like ads is over the moon with this one Uh, so ads put this one at the top of his list of new era star wars films so guys never mind never mind ranking this in your top 10 star wars films like really quickly off the top of your head give me a second answer in two seconds where is this in your top four disney era movies Corey? oof Man, uh, okay, Carlos, you're going. You're up. Yeah. Okay, Last Jedi, Rogue One, Solo, The Force Awakens. Boom, done. Michelle. Oh, that's hard. I think uh, ooh, uh, uh Solo, Rogue One, uh, Solo, and then Rogue One and La- mm, Solo, Last. Ah, that's hard. Solo, <laughs> Rogue One, and Last Jedi the same, and then Force Awakens. Wow, it's hard. It is I tough. Mean, I, part, I love Ro- Rogue One, but the intro of Rogue One is very schizophrenic to me, and when it stops switching between the planets is when it gets better, so I feel like with Solo, it didn't have that moment where I was just like, mm, at the beginning, so yeah, that goes above for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm Last Jedi, Solo, Rogue One, The Force Awakens. Subject to change, of course. 
always. Corey, yeah. are you going to take a shot at it? Or yeah, I think I'm on the same page as Kyle there. Well, you know, like, usually we have time to prepare for these kind of questions, but... Off the, the top of your head. You that's what we need to do with you, is because if we give you too much time, you have too much time to make... Nah, no. Excuses. See, the thing is, I, I tried to get Corey to commit. Like, everybody Dude, else like, can right. do it, but Corey can't commit. You put me on the spot first. Put him on the spot. Ooh, boo-hoo. Go to bed, Corey. Yeah. I've seen the movie <laughs> once. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll put it in last place right now. How's that? That's fine. Right. Yeah, it's going last right now because I've only seen it one time. So, I haven't really been able to wrap my head around it fully. That's good. Okay. Yeah, you know, like, finally on, on Ad's comment here, like, I, I, I still prefer my Star Wars movies, like, loaded with Fate of the Galaxy type stuff. And, like, the presence of Jedi is still very important to me. But I definitely appreciate the role of these standalones. Like, this one was just a blast. And I, I'm I'm super happy with it, but I still prefer my episodic stuff. Then that's why I have Rogue One ahead of, of Solo because you still have the the um, the, the air of the Force and the Jedi in Rogue One as opposed to Solo. That's the only reason why I put Rogue One before Solo. Fair. All right, let's let's uh, th- ads. Thanks, man. And uh, let's ch- let's check in with Bradley. Hey guys and gal, this is Bradley here with this week's Solo review. So, I've seen Solo twice, um, and I have to say, I really, really like this movie. I had so much fun um, watching this movie. This movie um, has a little bit of everything. Um, There's not any point in the movie um, where something happens that I you know am turned off by or you know dislike um i love the the callbacks to um different characters in the universe i love uh you know all the references and all the uh that tie into the other movies and um i love the music i thought the music is really well done um at no point does it overwhelm um uh the scene uh i think it just kind of blends in and and meshes uh, very well with what's what we're seeing on screen um let's see the ending i thought was really well done um my initial thoughts when i came out of a theater was that's a star wars movie and i want a sequel and um because I think there's just so much more they could do um, with Kira's character and with uh, Han and and Chewie's adventures and uh, getting to see, uh, you know, them actually meet Hut and start getting, you know, mixed up with his crew. And, I mean, Darth Maul at the end, that was so awesome and unexpected. Um, I I told Jordan when that happened, I was like, for a second there, I got lost in time, where we were in the timeline here. I was just so confused. <laughs> and, uh, but man, what, you know, we could see Darth Maul again on the screen if they, if they did a sequel. So, um, but overall, I mean, I'm completely happy with this movie. Um, it, you know, it just was your typical summer blockbuster popcorn movie. You know, just go and have fun. Don't go into it with any expectations, and you will come out completely happy, completely satisfied. 
And that's exactly what happened to me. It's what happened to uh, everybody that I went to see the movie with. And uh, so that's my, my initial thoughts and feelings on the movie. Um, I'm sure I'll have other kind of thoughts and feelings on it as we go along here and, and really unpackage this movie uh, going forward over the next month or so. But uh, can't recommend it enough. It, I really enjoyed it. I'm really pleased with it. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to hear what y'all guys have to say on y'all's next podcast about Solo. Oh, I did. What's cool is this is the first Star Wars movie where we have the title coming at us instead of going away from us. And I love the way they did that. I love the way Solo was kind of electrified. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, yep. So there you go, guys. Uh, Y'all have a great podcast, and may the Force be with you, always. Bradley kind of summed it all up really well. Another really happy customer, and I've I've got nothing to add to that. Anybody else? No, I'm on board, Bradley. It was awesome. Yep. Uh, yeah. Saw, saw it twice now, I think. Yeah, um, and I I agree. I I agree, and you said it earlier too, Carlos, is that um, the blending of the music and the sound mixing was just really spot on. Um, and I totally agree with Bradley on that. And I also agree that the title coming versus t- coming towards us as opposed to going away from us was really cool yeah. to see. It was a cool opening. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Bradley. Thanks, man. And now to the Metal Mando. Hey, Tumbling Saber crew. Jeff here from sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Well, it looks like uh, from all the comments I've read on our Tumbling Saber Facebook group and all the people we follow from Tumbling Saber on Twitter... Uh, the decision is unanimous. We like this movie a lot. So I had a few quick uh, thoughts here I wanted to get out. Um, so for Han Solo in the upcoming movies, would you rather there be a trilogy or maybe a sequel? And what would you guys, you, you probably already talked about this, but as far as his next appearance, would you rather that be in maybe a Boba Fett slash Jabba movie or in the Obi-Wan movie or even a Lando movie? Maybe... Not a good chance of that one, but yeah, would you like to see Han Solo in an actual sequel of Han Solo or kind of an appearance as a side character in those other movies? And uh, my unexpected surprise in this movie, um, did not see this coming. I'm not talking about Darth Maul. We know that was the biggest one, was uh, actually Kira's character in Amelia Clark's performance. I told my wife going into this, I just wasn't expecting much out of this character or her performance. Just the, you know, the trailers just, just didn't do much for her. I mean, oh man, was I wrong. Talk about another character and performance that just knocked it out of the park. One of my favorite characters in the movie, no doubt. And did you guys get a chance to check out the soundtrack? Specifically, uh, that Emphis Nest theme called Marauders Arrive. Um, just an incredible... Uh, track there i knew something was up when i heard that music you know kind of underlying the uh as far as the marauders appearing and because it wasn't like a a theme for uh, like a, you know some type of badass group attacking something else was going on it was those tribal hymns and those beats and if you really listen to that uh, you'll understand what i'm saying as far as especially as far as the end of the movie is concerned and uh, also check out Chicken in the Pot. Um, I think you guys can figure that one out. But hey, uh, just some initial reactions, guys. Can't wait to hear your reaction episode. And for this week, this is the Metal Mando, and I'm out of here. See ya. So we're three for three. We got three emphatic thumbs up from the powerful friends. Uh, but Jeff did mention a Lando standalone movie. Like, personally, like I'll never say no to it. Like, But I'm okay with what we got from Lando, and I don't think I need a Lando spinoff. Like, I, 
like from this point forward, I think it's his march to Bespin and like quote unquote legitimacy. But I, I unless they want to jump ahead and get Donald Glover to do post Return of the Jedi stuff, like in that case, I'm down. Otherwise, in this time period, I'm okay. I don't know that I really need it because we can't always get new Star Wars all the time. They have to pick and choose what projects they do. So if if we don't get Lando again, I'll be okay, even though I think Donald Glover did a great job. I, I don't know where you guys fall on that one. I want Disney to learn their lesson from Pirates of the Caribbean and not take Lando in a Jack Sparrow route where, like, I feel like with Jack Sparrow in that universe, like, he was a character that was really great as a side character, but when you put him in the center, like, just how they played it was just a little too much. And I'm a little worried that, I mean, it really depends on who makes it and who writes it and all of that. But with the way that they've played Lando, I'm a little nervous that it might go Jack Sparrow in terms of just like, that's a lot. Oof, yeah, that would know. suck. I just, yeah, for- I don't know if it's good for like a feature for like two and a half hours. Like that might just be a little much for me. For- yeah, no, for me, same thing. Like, uh, if uh, I'm a hard no on a Lando spinoff, but throw him in a Boba Fett movie. I've got no exactly. problem with that as a supporting character. Yeah, I feel like 100%, yeah, 100% on the same page. Cameo within one of these other films that are going to be playing in those sandboxes. And he definitely, from what we know about him, I think the Lando film or comic, again, has really wrapped up a lot of stuff in regards to his character and where he's going. So I don't think we necessarily need those stories in between. Like, give us the small little tidbits, and that would be perfect. Agreed. All right. Uh, Metal Mando, Jeff, thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, now over to Matt Salvatore. Let's check out what he has to say. Hey, what's up, Tumbling Favor? It's Matt Salvatore. So I just got out of seeing... Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm blown away. I loved every minute of it. I was at the edge of my seat. Oh, it was it was so good. The the bit with the uh, the the thermal detonator. Oh, fantastic! I was oh so good. And the part where Chewie ripped the ripped the arms off that guy. I was like yes yes. Oh, it was it was, it was fantastic. Um. I didn't expect um, Beckett's team to die so quickly. I thought maybe they would last a little longer, so I was a little disappointed with that. Envy's um, Nest was 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 cool. Um, she didn't really steal the show for me. Um, I think Chewie stole the show. Uh, Lando, Lando, Donald Glover killed it. I loved every minute of it. Um, I really, really liked how pretty much everybody double-crossed Han, and I think that's really cool that it really kind of shows the character we meet in A New Hope. I think I think it laid so much so much for the character of Han. Just it just it it helps us re-envision, you know, uh the character. Um so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um I'm going to have to say my favorite part was when we saw Darth Maul. Oh my gosh. I was like I know that voice and then when he took the hood off, I just I lost it. Ah, yes. Anyway, quick question. Um, do you think we're going to be seeing Darth Maul as the villain of the Obi-Wan solo film? And I mean solo film, like when he's alone, not Han Solo. 
Um, anyway, um, I hope you guys all enjoyed it from what I'm hearing. Everybody did. Um, I loved it. I want to go see it again several times over and over again. So anyway, um, have a great show. Uh, can't wait to hear you guys discuss it. All right. Bye. All right. Shocking stuff, guys. Four for four. Matt, thanks, man. Matt has a bunch of comments, which I think uh, we could just check off the list here really quickly. Like, yes, that thermal detonator scene was hilarious. Right off the top of the movie. We were just saying this before. Like, Such a good Easter egg. No, not like, I laughed out loud in theater when when I saw him finally going down that route. Like, it was different than Poe standing in front of Hux being like, your mother, blah, blah, blah. Like, this was actually kind of like, like you made a clicking sound with your mouth. Like I was like, I was out loud laughing, which is kind of hard for me to do. You know what's funny? I don't want to spend time on this, but I think it's worth mentioning. So for all the complaints that the Last Jedi takes for its use of like Earth language, like big ass door and the mom jokes, Solo used morons, and yep. L three said, "Get your ass out of my chair." Yep. But nobody's complaining about that. Oh, not yet. Well, I wouldn't complain about that at all. But no, a lot of people did. Obama, a lot of people did complain about that in The Last Jedi. But it's it's okay now. It's weird. Um, Chewie ripping arms off. That uh, They had to do that. They had to do that. So good. Um, Matt said that Chewie stole the show for him, which I like to hear. <laughs> That's my boy. And... Um, yeah, he, he of course his favorite part was Darth Maul with Whitmer's voice. Hard to argue with that. But he had a, Matt had a question for us. Will we see Maul as the villain of the of the standalone Obi? Blah. Will we see Maul as the villain of the Obi Wan standalone film? And I I, I doubt it. I think yeah. they're meeting. Hundred percent no, Matt. It's it's a, it's a it's a hard no. Hard no, Matt. Get, dealt with in Twin Suns, that's all tackled in Twin Suns. And, and you yeah. know what? My biggest criticism of this movie is how it brings Maul back into the fold, which was cool, but it's like it clearly, you know, with, with word of a Kenobi movie coming, this all could have happened live action now. But now it's, it's, yep. it's a hard stop in animation. And it was handled beautifully, but it's all this stuff that could have been now can not even, we can't even get a sniff of this now. What if what if the, the the live action butts up to that that confrontation and it's fake to black? How how do you feel about that? Uh, well, so I was saying before, you can kind of end this confrontation with Maul and where it becomes the shadow and ends up on Malachor waiting, knowing somehow that Obi Wan lives and that if he waits there, he'll kind of come to get to his goal. I'm sure there's a way they could do it that it'd be really cool, but no, there, there, no, there's no confrontation of Obi Wan and and Maul coming. No. Um, I do want to say though is like, um, on Twitter when um Corey you put up that photo of Aragorn and his pipe, how crazy! Like it didn't unfold the way like the character we thought, but like he was wearing a hood and he did bring it down, like. Can we talk about how close that was <laughs> in terms of like the image of a person in a hood at the end of the movie, like and revealing himself and we don't know who it's and it's a big like oh my god moment. I feel like it was pretty close. You just got the person wrong. It's yeah, it's the inverse. And the place it's, wrong. Yeah, exactly. But, like, like 
the the impact of what that would have done is very similar to the impact we got with them all. Like, and just when he, like, I mean, yeah, I started with the voice, but like putting the hood, I just thought it was cool. And it was that, it just the first, when he pulled his hood down, that Twitter image that you posted just like popped in my head. And I was like, oh my God, I wonder if they're thinking about it. Um, yeah, it was cool. Um, I still wish they had gone that Obi-Wan route just because it makes it a cleaner segue into that film. But I like that they did it and I wasn't expecting it. And, um, I said that we, none of us were expecting that. Like, I was really shocked that they went that route again because we know his fate. Exactly. I don't know. It was cool. It was unexpected, which is, I mean, I want to be surprised in a way that makes me happy. So being surprised in a positive way is always great. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And we wrap it all up with our friend Stubaka, who's got an email for us. And he goes, hey, mate, hope you are well and you and your family are having a great weekend. We did. Uh, Ella and I wanted to record a solo review for the podcast, but she's not quite feeling up to it at the moment. But she asked me to say that she loved the film. Kelly, which is Stu's wife, thinks it may be in her top three. I knew I would love it. It's Star Wars, but I didn't realize how much. Now I want to see more Han, Chewie, and Lando adventures, more Enfys Nest, and just when I thought I was done with him, more Maul. I feel the same way about Maul because I remember I was saying I was I'm through with this guy already. <laughs> but now I want to. I can't wait to see him next. I'm sure we will. Um, Stu Stubaka goes on to finish. I know this is probably an unpopular opinion in Star Wars fandom, but I'd rather see this than a Kenobi film. Can't wait to hear you hear what you and the gang thought of the film. And that's it. Thanks everybody for the uh, for the voicemails and Stu for the for the uh, email. Much 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 appreciated. And uh, that's that's it, guys. I'm spent. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, completely. Yep. Absolutely spent, but man, so worth it. This movie was so much fun. I had such a blast watching this movie. It gets, it got better on my second viewing, and I think it'll, it'll, I think it'll just be that that go-to fun movie in this in this universe. All right, guys, let's uh, let's sign out of here. So, Corey, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, Kyle, Michelle, Carlos, let me tell you, find me Chop Rules with a Z. And Carlos. See Candido Music on Twitter and Instagram, and you could also find me on Facebook, Carlos Candido. And Michelle? Um, on Twitter, you can find me at tediously underscore brief, and I'm also on Instagram at tediously underscore brief, but I post all of my fandom stuff over on my bookstagram, which is at Traveling Book Nerds. One word, find me there. Awesome. And I am at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And this is your invite to come check us out in our closed Facebook group. The door is open. All you have to do is just knock and we'll let you right on in. And uh, I just want to say thanks again to Rob Wade for sharing this episode on Emotionally14.com. And of course, you should be checking him out at the Crazy Train podcast. And also my thanks to everybody listening on Dark Sky Radio. Thanks very much, guys, for your ears. And that's it. So stay tuned. No, well, you, you forgot one thing. What, forgot one thing. What did I forget? Congra- congrats to Brad. Oh, of course. Well, of course. True. Way to go, Brad. We'll have that out in the mail to you ASAP. H-E. And 
if you want to be part of those draws, uh, just go to uh, patreon.com slash Saber, throw a couple of bucks our way, and uh, you'll be uh, in on uh, next month's draw. Amongst other things, right? We get the we get the uh, the prize draws, and we've got we'll get uh, special Sith disturbers only for our powerful friends. Correct, and uh, we also get early release podcasts to our to our powerful friends. We got uh, journals of the willing, worthy of recognition, which our powerful friends take part in. It's crazy. Saber rattling. Saber rattling's coming down the pipe really really soon here, for two from just two bucks a month, guys. You know you got the couch cushion money. Jump on in, help help uh, help spur us on here, and uh, you. I, I don't think you'll regret it. Okay, that's it. And uh, d- again, don't forget to check out StarWarsCommonwealth.com for some awesome, awesome Star Wars content. There's going to be all kinds of of solo talk this week at the Commonwealth, so go check that out at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, or check it out on Apple Podcasts. All of our podcasts are listed there, and uh, you you definitely will be able to fill up a week consuming all this star wars goodness so that's it guys thanks for listening to this marathon podcast we'll check you guys out later this week on powerful friends and uh, for everybody else we'll see you in episode 129 